This show is brought to you by the Genesis Communications Network, a world leader in talk radio since 1998. Visit GCNlive.com today. Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll be featuring Josh Centers from Tidbits and Take Control Books. We'll also hear from Peter Cohen outspoken columnist and podcaster, and the main focus of discussion will be Apple's announcements at the Worldwide Developers Conference. Are they enough? All this and more on the Tech Night Owl Live. We're joined by Josh Centers, the managing editor of Tidbits and Take Control Books, and I should tell you that since he's the author of a book on the Apple TV, we'll ask about the new TV OS X. And what's going on there. So the first impression I get, Josh, when I look at all the announcements from Apple at the WWDC, is that they want you to buy as much space as you can possibly afford for the iCloud drive. Do you get what I'm hinting at? Sure. Well, and and that's not a surprise because, you know, as we both follow Apple's financials, they definitely see services as the future as other businesses start to fade out. So it makes perfect sense that they're going to try to sell more iCloud and more Apple Music and probably other subscriptions as well. So let's look into this specifically because listeners are saying, what are they talking about? So we have, for example, first of all, the universal clipboard. Mm -hmm. How's that going to work? Well, that's an interesting question. I don't think that will cut into iCloud space too much, but essentially it's like, you know, there's already third-party apps that do this, like PasteBot, but essentially you'll be able to copy something on one platform, say Mac or iOS, or even between iOS devices, and you'll be able to paste what you copy on one device to another device. So let's say for some reason you copy like a web URL on your iOS device, you know, copy it, you know, paste it to your Mac. Well, you know, you can do that. You can transfer between things like that now. Okay. We assume, though, if it's going to be a simple copy-paste operation, it's not going to take a lot of space. I doubt it. It's probably going to be one of those things that's that's just a freebie. I doubt it's going to count, cut into your uh, paid iCloud space. All right. Now, though, you have the ability to share your desktop and documents folders. Mm-hmm. Now, just want to point out that in my particular individual case, my documents folder on my Mac is about 44 gigabytes, but most of that is a Parallels virtual machine for Windows 10. Most of my documents are in the desktop folder with lots of subfolders for different categories related to my radio shows, and they're pretty big files. So it consumes 208 gigabytes. So we're talking here about 252 gigabytes. Assuming this works in the normal way, Apple has a plan for 200 for iCloud Drive. They've got a plan for a terabyte for 9.99. So I'd need that terabyte plan. Am I getting this wrong or what? When I first heard about that announcement, how they're going to sync, oh, especially the desktop sync, I find it be kind of weird because 
To me, that that seems like a trap for regular users to sucker them into using more iCloud space because I think most people, maybe not so many tech-savvy people, although I certainly do this. My desktop is a mess, uh, mostly because that's where it's the default where screenshots are saved, right? You know, so I think a lot of people just dump things on the desktop, and I'm I'm sure there'll be a prompt to enable this when they set up the new Mac OS, but I'm afraid a lot of people are going to turn this on or without thinking about it, and suddenly they're going to be out of iCloud space. I'll be curious to see how Apple handles that. It seems a little iffy on their part. It seems a little too desperate to get people to to buy more iCloud space. And I'm also thinking here, maybe Apple should consider a different price structure. And I'll tell you why. Microsoft, for $9.99 a month, will give you five one-terabyte OneDrives, one for each user, five licenses for PC or Mac or tablet for Office, and five smartphone licenses for $9.99. Apple gives you one terabyte space for $9.99. So I'm thinking here, Apple ought to rethink the price structure, but they should also give you more complimentary space. Don't you think I'm right? I think you should get a certain amount for every device you have registered with iCloud. That that seems fair to me. If you're a loyal Apple customer, and that's what they want you to be, right? They want you to own everything in the ecosystem. They want you to have a Mac and an iPad and an iPhone and an Apple TV and all these things. And so that's it seems like they should reward people. Maybe, you know, something like five gigabytes for each device, you know, not a ton of cloud space, but it's just a little something to say thank you. And also to make things easier for basic users, you know, make backups more friendly. Another thing I would really like to see, and I, I tweeted about this earlier, and I'm not holding my breath for it, but I really wish that family sharing members could share some of that storage space. Because I, I subscribe to 200 gigabytes, which is way more than I need at the moment. Uh, I'm sure Apple's working on changing that, so I need a lot more. But you know, I use that mostly for iCloud photo library. And then my wife has a certain amount of space that I don't think she uses most of. I think she uses that for also for backups in iCloud photo library. If we could share our space or share that quota, that would be tremendous. And and I think little things like that that make things more customer friendly or also make people more inclined to want to give Apple more money, right? Well, I think here also that if Apple offers a better deal for the large storage space, it will encourage more people to buy it. That's the first thing. And the second, I think people are going to be angry if they suddenly find themselves filling up five gigabytes of storage just trying to use a new feature of macOS. Maybe the uh, the ul- ulterior motive here is to get people to stop saving stuff on their desktop. <laughs> you want to cram all this stuff in your desktop and make your Mac look ugly? Well, that's going to cost you. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm going to do it. And if they don't like it, that is too bad. They're going to profit either way. (laughs) Of course they are. But this is one thing, of course, for device retention. All the stuff sharing from machine to machine, from device to device. You want to use those features, you got to go Apple. Now, there's another feature that's going to use up your iCloud space. That's optimized storage, Mm -hmm. where less use apps. And it kind of sounds like almost like the Fusion Drive, but using iCloud as the second drive. And that is, you don't use the app as often, you're running out of space, it'll upload it to your iCloud drive, assuming you have the storage space. I think all of us at Tidbits are skeptical about that particular feature. Apple's 
made a lot of screw-ups with iCloud and file storage and what well, even with Apple Music, you know, some people lost their music with with that service. So Apple doesn't have the best track record here. And I think a lot of people are afraid things are just going to vanish, which they very well might. That's a very real possibility. And the other thing I worry about, I mean, other than storage costs, but also I worry about, let's say you have some private pictures or videos or something. Let's just say you have some things you don't want other people to see, which could be any number of things. You know, it could be PDFs, financial documents, whatever. You know, is that stuff just going to be upload into the cloud and what kind of security is protecting that because my understanding is right now stuff it's encrypted in transit but it's not necessarily encrypted on apple's server i could be wrong about that but i think there's some genuine concern there you know you don't want somebody hack apple which hasn't happened yet but i mean it's probably a matter of time, honestly. But, you know, you, you don't want sensitive documents like that just getting uh, leaked out there, which could be a possibility with this technology. I don't know. We, we need a lot more details and we need a lot more reassurance from Apple because uh, this is a potentially very concerning feature. What about online backup services in general, like CrashPlan, mm-hmm. like Carbonite? Are they encrypted? Yes. Well, I can't speak for Carbonite. I've used CrashPlan, and I currently use Backblaze. My understanding with both of those, and this is the only reason I would even use them, is that they encrypt on your computer before sending to the cloud. So, at least in theory, all your you know, no one at Backblaze or CrashPlan should should be able to see your stuff, and so, and that's why I've trusted them with my data. Let's do our break, sir. We'll have more with Josh Centers of Tidbits and Take Control Books on Apple and the WWDC. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com radio. DreamHost.com radio. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. I'm Nick Soboleski, a select quote agent with a true story that could save you hundreds of dollars a year. A woman named Linda just called. Her husband, Ray, has a $300,000 group life insurance policy, but is changing jobs and can't take it with him. Well, I impartially shopped the highly rated term life insurance companies we represent and found Ray, who is 41 and takes medication to control his cholesterol, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $26 a month. That's almost twice the coverage for less than half of what he had paid. If SelectQuote hasn't shopped for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 1-800-403-4885. That's 1-800-403-4885. 1-800-403-4885. 
888-888-4885 or go to selectquote.com. We shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your price can vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors not available in all states. This is Holly Thomas, Group Vice President of Cause Marketing for Macy's. Our company is working together with the March of Dimes through March for Babies to raise money and awareness about the serious problem of premature birth in the U.S. That's why Macy's is committed to raising funds through our employees, customers, family, and friends to improve the health of moms and babies everywhere. Won't you please join us in March for Babies? Start a team today at marchforbabies.org. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-704-6182. A Place for Mom offers free, one-on-one advice from local advisors and a personalized list of senior living communities you can visit. If you have questions about senior care for your mom or dad, there's a place for answers, a place for mom. Call A Place for Mom in the next 10 minutes to get your free ebook on financing senior care as well as free information on senior living communities in your area. Call 1-800-704-6182. That's 1-800-704-6182. Ted Anderson telling you about Jordan Rubin's Beyond Organic Green-Fed Raw Cheddar Artesian Cheese featuring whole milk created through ancient dairy breeding, unpasteurized, untreated whole milk on the same farm the cows graze, containing natural sources of omega-3s, CLA protein, calcium, probiotics, and enzymes. I have never tasted cheese this good, and you need to try it. Contact your Longevity distributor or call 877-878-4203 or go to GCNteam.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. We have a special feature of the show called Tech Night Out Plus, where we give you a commercial-free version of the show, better audio, all for a very low subscription rate, our price cheap, like they used to say at Mad Magazine. Maybe they still do. I'm not sure. Haven't read that magazine in 100 years or so. <laughs> Go to plus.technightowl.com, plus.technightowl.com. With Josh Centers of Tidbits and Take Control Books, we're talking about Apple's Worldwide Developers Conference and the new features, starting off with the stuff that's dependent on the cloud, especially in Mac OS Sierra. We have optimized storage. You have the ability to share the desktop and documents folder. And also, of course, you have this universal clipboard that goes from device to device. One of the other things here I thought about is if Apple says documents and desktop folder, people organize their Macs differently Shouldn't they optionally allow you to specify which folders you want to use in this fashion and share among devices? 
Yeah, I mean, that, that would seem to make sense. You know, I would much rather have something like Dropbox does this where you can manually select certain folders to sync. I would be a lot more comfortable with that because I don't necessarily want everything. And this goes back to the privacy thing earlier. I don't necessarily want everything in my documents folder or on my desktop to be shared just for one reason or the other. You know, make like, oh, here, here's a perfectly legitimate example. You know, maybe I make a payment to something. You know, like just the other day I had to do my quarterly IRS payment. You know, I take a screenshot of that. I don't necessarily want anybody seeing my screenshot of my IRS payment, right? You know, that's that's a private business matter. I think there's also enterprise implications here too, because I could see a lot of ways that even if nothing goes wrong, I definitely know a lot of companies whom that, you know, that sort of thing would make them nervous. Again, it's one of those things we, we need some more reassurances from Apple. We need some more communication and we need very clear controls on these things. And, you know, in fact, if they just disabled this stuff by default, perhaps prompted you later to go in and manually enable that if you wanted to, I think that would make things a lot better. I think if they just force this on people or kind of trick them into it, I, I think it's going to have a very negative response. Well, you see, what Apple usually does, though, is they announce new features, but they don't give you the ifs, ands, and buts. And the concern I would have, and you voiced it in the previous segment, is the fact that iCloud has been troublesome just for syncing music and stuff. Now we're asking it to do more granular things, such as constant communication with your Mac to upload files from your desktop and documents folder to take disused apps on Max with not allowed free storage space. That's creating a problem. Now, obviously, it's nothing that an online backup system can't already do. And if they use that technology, probably it'll work. But then we have the other factor that people have to be concerned about. And that is, say, my documents in my desktop folder. We're talking about over 250 gigabytes of space. That is bandwidth. It -hmm. counts against your bandwidth allotment at your ISP. Now, I've got a terabyte at my ISP, and I don't know what I could do to exceed it, and I have never come close. But I could see where I could. And I could see where people have 250 gigabytes of bandwidth per month. And what does Apple do about that? Yeah, I think that's that's another shoe that hasn't dropped. Apple doesn't seem very concerned these days with bandwidth consumption, uh, either on iOS or the Mac. And that's something that concerns me. If they really are, you know, friends to the users, that's what Tim Cook's things, right? You know, his, he, like, I fight for the user, you know, he you know took on the government over the encryption issue and all this stuff. Well, if that's the case, then try to help them make sure they don't have ridiculously high bandwidth bills. You know, I would love to see better uh, bandwidth controls on the Mac. Um, I mean, there are some in iOS. Um, I think they could do better there. And, and, you know, and honestly, lobbying ISPs to to drop these silly things. I mean, it's a little better, you know, I guess you have Comcast, you have the one terabyte cap now instead of 300 gigabytes, which is a lot more reasonable. But, I mean, that's something Apple should be helping users with, both conserving bandwidth and lobbying, you know, to get rid of these dumb data caps. As we start seeing more and more streaming of 4K video, there's going to be an issue. Now, I suppose Apple could make deals with the various ISPs in America, the big ones, but certainly not across the world. Yes, this is a consideration, and this is where we see other shoes, lots of them. I think, however, if the features worked, and we have all sorts of theories here, the bandwidth is dealt with, 
iCloud is made more efficient in handling very granular backups, which is what this is. I think it could be really, really helpful. But it also locks you in because these features work best when you have another Apple device. You have another Mac. You want to share your documents and desktop folder. But how is it going to work with iPad and iPhone? Well, I guess the stuff will just show up in the iCloud Drive app, right? I suppose. That that was my understanding of that. And from what I've seen in iOS 10, it basically works the same way. Maybe I need to explore that a bit more, but I haven't installed the uh, the Mac OS beta yet, so, so I haven't entirely been able to test that out. I have seen the beta, but I think it's still too shaky to try anything and experiment with it. And I think for developers and beta testers, Apple should make an allowance for their iCloud drives. Because people are going to be stuck real fast, and you are going to see complaints. Remember, as of July, what, a million or more people up to that figure will download Mac OS Sierra, iOS 10. They'll be confronted by these new features, and there are going to be a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. You know, another angle of this, too, if Apple wants people to invest more in iCloud Drive and pay for the space, they need to make it more competitive with Dropbox, you know, they need to add these collaborative features. Um, you know, and that's a big part of why at Tidbits and Take Control we use Dropbox because we can pass files back and forth easily. And you know, Apple's idea of this is, well, you know, send it an iMessage, you know, and uh, uh, that that wouldn't work for us. Uh, that would be terrible. You know, it's so much easier just to move stuff around in folders and mark things and and so forth. So, it, I mean, I would love. To drop Dropbox entirely, and not, not that I have anything particularly against Dropbox, but you know, there's no point in me using that when I have all this. And that's what frustrates me. I have all this iCloud uh, Drive storage that goes unused because I let's see, yeah, I use uh, yeah, I don't even use uh, one gigabyte. I don't think of well, I don't think that's right. But, you know, I, I, I use hardly any of my iCloud drive space. I use, you know, pro- probably well less than 100 gigabytes of the 200 I have. And I have, I don't know, maybe 8 gigabytes or so on my Dropbox. Why do I need the two services? You know, why can't I just use iCloud drive for everything? And if Apple would, ju- you know, if Apple could make that so, that would make me much more reliant on iCloud drive, which is good for them. You know, but and this is something that, you know, Adam Inks and I have discussed a lot. It just seems like Apple doesn't get the collaborative thing. They just don't understand that. They don't like it for some reason. Um, yeah, and so you know, so that's my big frustration with iCloud Drive. I think I think Apple could make their services business a lot stronger if they if they got better at collaboration. Let's collaborate on this. More to come with Josh Centers. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. By now you know that wireless technology like cell phones do in fact pose dangers to the health and privacy of everyone. Blockit Pocket's wide range of products are unmatched in providing the protection you deserve. No scare tactics, just common sense. BlockitPocket.com offers quality American-made options to alleviate and eliminate these invisible dangers. Learn more at BlockitPocket.com or call 888-315-9618. BlockitPocket.com, enhancing health and privacy.
Paid non-attorney spokesperson Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-0937. That's 800-261-0937. If you have sleep apnea and you're tired of dragging around your big, bulky home CPAP device wherever you travel, what I'm about to tell you may sound too good to be true. ManyCPAP.com now offers a portable device that's as small as a soda can and weighs less than a pound. Even better, you can try Transcend absolutely risk-free for a full 10 days. Call us now, 1-800-940-5473. Transcend is the world's first portable mini CPAP device. It gives you the freedom to sleep in total comfort anywhere you are. For even more freedom, you can add a battery that's as tiny as a deck of cards. Transcend is so small and so light, you can fit it in your briefcase or purse to use anywhere you go. It's FAA compliant, too, so you can even sleep comfortably while flying. It's true. You can enjoy the freedom to sleep comfortably anywhere, anytime you want. Call minicpap.com now for your 10-day in-home trial. 1-800-940-5473. That's 1-800-940-5473. Dangerous blood clot device alert. If you or a loved one had an IVC filter placed to prevent blood clots from traveling to your heart or lungs and suffered an injury, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. The FDA warns that IVC filters may cause serious complications, such as heart or lung damage, internal bleeding, and even death. These dangerous blood clot devices can break and the metal fragments can travel to your heart or lungs causing serious injuries. If you or a loved one suffered organ damage or other injuries from an IVC filter, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Act now. Time is limited to file a claim. For a free consultation and free information, call Injury Help Desk at 800-478-1507. 800-478-1507. 800-478-1507. This is an advertisement. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. InjuryHelpDesk.com is responsible for this advertisement. Principal Office, Las Vegas, Nevada. Hi, I'm 54 years of age, and at Christmas time last year, a resident I take care of at work accidentally rolled over my right foot with his motorized scooter. I was back into a corner, and he put it in reverse and did it again. The bones in my foot weren't actually broken, but damage was done. The remedy was to just let the foot heal on its own, and this was expected to take many weeks. As a caregiver, I do a lot of walking, and I was sort of okay when I was in motion. It's when I stopped to rest that I really felt the pain. The pain was there getting out of bed in the morning, too. So I got on the One World Way a few weeks back, and I just had to write this testimony. No more pain. Nothing. I can only attribute this to the One World Way since I haven't introduced anything else into my life. This product is a true godsend. It gives me energy and did whatever magic this stuff does to heal my poor foot. I will take One World Way for life. Sincerely, Holly. Call 888-988-3325 or visit One World Way. That's one world, W-H-E-Y.com. Live with Gene Steinberg. It's the Tech Night Owl. Because you never know what's going to happen next. So we have Mac OS Sierra. It's going into public beta test 
in July. And you could do what I did, by the way, which is to make a second partition on my iMac and use that for the OS because you don't want to do this on a production machine or you have a second hard drive or something. Because if something goes wrong, and it will almost always go wrong with an early release, you know, you've got to restore it and everything, go through that drudgery. Make sure you also back up everything. Be careful. I'm not as concerned with iOS because I can always restore the things if it doesn't work out right. Right. But on Mac, you've got to be careful about this because there are going to be a lot of bugs. And, you know, we're talking about just the beginning. And by the way, I will be reporting some of my early experiences and encounters as we progress, as much as I can legally say things within Apple's constraints. In any case, these are the f- features that Apple is adding to Mac OS Sierra that certainly are practical from productivity standpoints. Better use of your space, being able to share your stuff without going through some kind of rigmarole. I think that's really good. Now, Siri on the Mac... I just don't care. What about you? Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I mean, it'll be nice for it to be there, um, but I don't use Siri on the even on the iPhone that much. I mean, I use it mostly for timers, I guess. If anything, I feel like Siri's queries, have become, you know, querying Siri for anything has become worse over the years. Because it used to be I could ask Siri a question, and more often than not, she would have some kind of answer. And now it feels like it just brings up Bing search results, which if I wanted to search Bing, I would do that. I don't particularly want to do that. Well, Google so, doesn't like that. Right. Well, I, I just wish it worked better. Like, I don't really care what search engine they use for Siri, but it, it, it just feels like it seems like you used to be able to ask Siri like some complex questions. Like, OK, well, here's an answer for you. And now it's just, oh, well, here's here's search results from the Web, which, you know, who cares about that? We'll see. I mean, we'll, we'll just see how it works. Um, it might be nice for opening things. You know, I could see how pressing the function key or double tapping or however you access, you're going to access Siri and saying, hey, open BB Edit instead of, you know, me typing it into, um, you know, typing into a search field or, you know, clicking an icon. That might be easier. I have a wait and see attitude, you know, but if nothing else, for consistency's sake, I'm glad it's coming to the Mac. For those not working in the cubicle in an office, I think it's worth it. The point that Apple has been advertising, if you look at the WWDC, is artificial intelligence making Siri more responsive to more complicated queries. That's supposed to be the big deal because they're competing with Amazon and Google and Microsoft, and they've got to make Siri smarter. And supposedly all this is about making Siri smarter. Sure. You know, the voice, you know, it's funny, Apple kind of uh, paved the way with the voice assistant thing, but it feels like Google, Microsoft, and even Amazon now have leapfrogged them in some ways. Um, You know, like people just rave about their Amazon Echoes, you know, about Alexa. And I don't hear so much raving about uh, about Microsoft, about Cortana, but uh, I know a lot of people really like, okay, Google. Um, And yeah, it, it does feel like um, Apple has fallen behind in that way. Well, you know, like I said, it seems like it's actually gotten worse over the years as they've, you know, they've changed things and try to cut Google out of stuff. Um, 
It's also more challenging for Apple as well, and and we see that they're trying to solve that with with uh, what they call differential privacy. But you know, one of the challenges Apple has is that you know, especially Google, but also Amazon and Microsoft have no qualms about collecting all your personal data, putting it in a database, and you know, gathering as much information about you as possible. And and Apple's taking a different tack that you know they try to differentiate themselves by privacy. They're not as willing to collect this data and really custom tailor things to you and, and know what you want personally, then it makes solving those problems a lot harder for them. And I'm not saying that's the only reason why um, Siri doesn't you know, stack up as well, but it, it's definitely a challenge for them, right? But they, they seem to be trying to find ways to solve that. So it'll be interesting to see if they strike the right balance there. I saw someone who was using, I guess, the Mac OS beta and Windows 10 comparing Siri and Cortana. And in most respects, Siri at this early stage was better, more granular, more responsive. And as you remember, the point is that crowdsourcing is going to improve its responses over time. So whatever it does now, it's going to do better in September. Right. Well, you know, here's the funny thing, too, is I've had different experiences on different platforms. I haven't tried on the Mac yet. iPhone... Like I said, it's kind of so-so. I don't really have much luck with Siri and the Apple Watch. Siri and the Apple Watch seems um, a little dumber than on the iPhone. But I have really liked Siri on the Apple TV. And maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's the microphones they use in the Siri remote. I don't know. But I've had it work great and work consistently. And, you know, when they added the text dictation, especially for usernames and passwords, I was very skeptical. I thought there's... No way they're going to get this right. But more often than not, it really is a better way to enter that login information. I mean, I've had a couple of transcription errors, but I guess that's just to be expected. But it's worked really well on the Apple TV, which which has shocked me. So, you know, I think that's part of the aspect, too. You know, it's nice to have Siri on all the platforms, but it'll probably always be more useful on some than others. You know, when you have the iPhone, you have the whole touch screen. You have all these different ways of interacting, right? On the Mac, you have a keyboard and trackpad or a mouse. You have a lot of ways of interacting. Apple Watch, well, Apple Watch just needs some work. But when you have, like say the TV, you know, typing things is going to suck on it unless you, um, you know, use some kind of keyboard, you know, you just don't have that much interaction in a remote control. So Siri is very, is extremely useful there. Speaking of tvOS, let's talk about briefly. Sure. Few improvements. One is single sign on. Mm-hmm. Now, is that only in relationship to your cable or satellite provider and the apps that relate to that connection it doesn't include just everything like netflix and all the other services does it you know that's a good question it's certainly aimed at solving the cable authentication problem right i'll be curious to see if you can authenticate with with a cable provider and it works between all those or what's probably more likely is so let's take a and e a and e networks owns a&E, History, uh, Lifetime, some other channels. I'm guessing how it's going to work is if you authenticate with, say, A&E, then Lifetime and um, you know and History and those other ones would be authenticated as well. That's how I'm guessing it's going to work. And so if it's set up like that, then I, I imagine it could probably be used for other things. I don't know how useful that would be. I'm guessing 
it probably isn't going to sync these in iCloud, but maybe it will. I don't know. That would be really cool if you could, you know, authenticate on one platform at work on your Apple TV. That's something I need to dive into a little bit more, and I'm I'm anxious to install that beta. But my understanding is that it's it's not terribly stable yet. I only have the one fourth generation Apple TV to to mess up, so I don't want to get too adventurous. Overall, looking at the Apple TV. Is it there yet as to being a compelling product, or is the lack of 4K still holding it back? Oh, no, I think it's there. And, you know, it took, you know, the the very first launch was totally half-baked. Once they added, um, I think it was TVOS 9.2, where they added dictation, keyboard support, all that, you know, all that sort of stuff. I think it was definitely there. Um, Now that... It um, you know it's a usable product now, and now that they're you know they're finally updating the remote app to emulate the Siri remote. Uh, now that they're doing single sign-on, um, they're adding dark mode. They're adding all this neat stuff. I think it's it's actually becoming a truly competitive product because everything up to this point has just been catching up with everyone else, catching up with Fire TV and Roku and all this. And I, I feel like now they're finally starting. To advance forward, they're start finally starting to m- maybe move past these other guys because I don't think anyone else has the single sign-on. I'm sure they will sooner than later. Let's break it. We'll continue. We'll continue with this single set of announcements. More with Josh Centers. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage and easy-to-use webmail interface and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. So you've got to take a state construction license exam or certification. Can't decide on what books or what chapters to study? Discover right now how you can eliminate unnecessary books and wasted study time. At ContractorExam.com, our study materials zero in on state-required test topics in an effective, multiple-choice format. So whether you're a plumber, electrician, general contractor, or other construction-related trade, ContractorExam.com will help get you prepared. Visit us at www.ContractorExam.com today. Are your Google search results killing you? Unflattering content in blogs, news articles, online reviews, social media, or other sources can jeopardize your reputation, your business, and your livelihood. Let Reputation.com help. Our patented technology will make the truth about you more visible while pushing down unwanted negative content. Improve your Google search results. Call Reputation.com at 1-800-831-0771 for a free consultation. That's 800-831-0771.
Worried about lead, fluoride, and other contaminants in your drinking water? Get a ProPure with the Pro 1G 2.0 cleanable reusable filter and remove up to 200 contaminants. Drink water the way nature meant it to be. Clean, crisp, and refreshing. See the complete line of ProPure products, including the new ProMax shower filter. There's a ProPure for you. Visit your authorized ProPure dealer for details or ProPureUSA.com. That's P-R-O-P-U-R-U-S-A.com. Ted Anderson telling you about Jordan Rubin's Beyond Organic Green-Fed Raw Cheddar Artesian Cheese featuring whole milk created through ancient dairy breeding, unpasteurized, untreated whole milk on the same farm the cows graze, containing natural sources of omega-3s, CLA protein, calcium, probiotics, and enzymes. I have never tasted cheese this good, and you need to try it. Contact your Longevity distributor or call 877-878-4203 or go to GCNteam.com. Are you retired or facing retirement and you're afraid your income is going to be less than you'd like? I'm Pharmacist Keith. Dr. Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy, and I want to show you a low-cost way to create your own business, working around your current schedule, creating extra income that will last for years to come by joining Dr. Wallach's crusade, spreading his message of better health. To learn more, visit radio.recordedvideo.com. That's radio.recordedvideo.com, radio.recordedvideo.com, or call 866-257-3105 for a recorded message. There's nothing more enticing and intoxicating than the finest meat cooking on an open flame. Freeze-dried meat from NewHarvest.com is U.S. grown, 100% all-natural with no extra fillers. Just grass-fed beef and free-range chicken guaranteed to stay fresh and delicious. Add New Harvest freeze-dried meats to your current food storage. You'll buy direct from the factory, not a third party, ensuring the best price and the highest quality. See all our products at NewHarvestFoods.com. That's NewHarvestFoods.com. know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. So we continue with Josh Sanders of Tidbits and Take Control Books, pointing out to the improvements and tvOS 10, which will be a downloadable update this fall, as will Mac OS Sierra. And as most of you know already, the predictions came true. Apple simply consolidated the branding of each of its operating systems. So you have the product being in lowercase and OS being in uppercase, Mac OS, iOS for iPhones and iPads and iPod Touch and for watchOS and tvOS. Now, just very briefly, we should mention that unlike the last operating system, El Capitan, they've tightened up the requirements here. So a number of Macs, a number of old iPads and iPhones are left out the pasture. They can't update. So I'll give you the macOS, and you can mention the others, Josh. macOS a MacBook or iMac from 2009, which includes the late 2009 iMac, where they really did big changes to it, and anything from 2010 are supported. All the other stuff, forget about. With iOS, the iPhone 4S's history as far as support, right? 
Yeah, and well, you know, they've supported the you know these older devices for a long time. You know, I mean, they supported say the iPad two forever, and that's finally being dropped. And I, I think that's extremely fair. I think they've been very generous with the updates here. But if you don't mind, I'd like to go back to the four K thing because um, we've talked. We have a history of discussing this, and I've had a lot more insight since the last time we talked. So, so if you want to, if you want to touch on that real quick, I sure would because I can't say the source, but. One of these standing committees that reviews Ultra HD standards, Apple is apparently now participating in them. Sure, which would be the smart thing to do, right? They want to get involved in it, if nothing else, at least for you know the capture end. But so the last time we talked, you know, we were discussing my 4K TV, 49-inch Vizio 4K TV, and and I didn't have any 4K content. I'd, I'd owned it for a while, owned it for a few months, no 4K content. Well, that has changed. They they did update the Amazon app so I can watch 4K over Amazon Prime Video. And um, I also upgraded my Netflix because they're finally about to jack up the price anyway. So I upgraded that to watch 4K. And I got to tell you, I've been watching 4K content for a while, and I can't really tell a difference. And it's like we discussed before. I mean, if I look closely, if I get up next to the TV and I look closely, I can tell some difference. But in a typical noisy household with a toddler, with crud on the screen and all that, I can't. I don't. And honestly, I don't think most people would be able to tell a difference. So, you know, back to your question about whether 4K is holding the Apple TV back. I think only in the speeds and feeds kind of race. You know, if you're the kind of person who is more obsessed with, oh, well, this has an extra thing on the checklist. This thing doesn't. But honestly, if you're a speeds and feeds sort of person, you've probably never been an Apple person in the first place because Apple's never competed well, uh, you know, in checklists like that. So. You know, in short, you know, and also the problem is, too, is 4K consumes a lot more bandwidth. At this point, until TVs, 4K TVs get a lot bigger and a lot cheaper and maybe even living rooms change to accompany them, which may never happen. um, I just don't see it as a huge selling point unless you're just obsessed with, you know, having the best. Now, it may make a difference. um, You know, they're updating the Xbox and the PlayStation consoles now to, to have you know new versions with 4k support that might make a difference you know in video games but i think for standard video content i don't think there's all that much difference and all that much benefit in 4k over 1080p um, and that's after a few months of really watching 4k content you know now if i watch it on my 5k imac if i watch like say a, a 4k youtube video I do notice a difference there, but that's an amazing screen, and it's the kind of screen, and I also sit very close to it. You have the answer. You have a 49-inch Vizio. That is really on the low side when it comes to 4K support, because you got to be fairly close to the set, maybe eight, seven, eight feet or so, to see a difference, any difference. If you are farther away, you will not see a difference. Normally, with a normal viewing distance like Say my wife and myself were in the master bedroom in the bed watching TV. We've got to have a 55 to 60 inch screen to see any improvement in 4K. The one factor that might offer an improvement, and you may not see that on a streaming service because of the extra bandwidth, is HDR color. That's the big thing in 4K this year. You will then see a difference in the quality, but it's not going to be about resolution where the difference will be almost impossible to see unless you have a big screen it's going to be the color reproduction right and i honestly i think that's a more interesting path 
than increased resolution. You know, I, and uh, we posted an extra bit on this to tidbits about this a while back, but there, I can't remember exactly who it was, but this guy was kind of showing the difference in, in what color spectrum makes, you know, on, on these newer iPads um, and, you know, the possibilities there that for image fidelity that weren't there before. And I think that's that's far more interesting and it's probably less computationally intensive, probably less bandwidth intensive. You're probably going to see a lot more benefit with fewer drawbacks because 4K has a lot of drawbacks. It takes a lot of power. It takes a lot of computational power. It takes a lot of bandwidth, you know. But the HDR stuff, you know, sooner or later you get a new TV, and oh, suddenly the colors are better, and the colors are brighter, and it's not, you know, there's no real drawback to that. And so I think that's much more promising than 4K. I'm, I'm not, honestly, I'm not even sure if 4K will ever take off, or if it does, it'll just be a natural evolution. It'll just be at the point where, um, you know, the only sets for sale are 4K, and you get it, you know, and, and who cares? <laughs> I don't, well, that's kind of happening now, because... The manufacturers are basically transitioning to 4K, except for their very cheapest models. Kind of like in the days of, you know, 1080p, so you had 720 as the cheapest model, and maybe it didn't matter that much. It really doesn't. But that's what's going to happen with 4K. You're seeing that now. All but, I think, one product line with Vizio is 4K. But only the midline, like the M series, the higher end P series, and the reference series offer enhanced color. The 4K E series and the D series do not. And that's where you're going to see this. That's going to be the thing that provides the difference for the early stages. You want the better color, which you probably will need to see any difference at all. You've got to buy a more expensive set. But I'm kind of thinking here by the end of the year for the holiday season, I would be willing to bet that two-thirds to three-quarters of the models available will be 4K. So you'll have no choice. As you buy a new set, it'll automatically become 4K. Yeah, probably. But, you know, in terms of mass consu- intentional mass consumer adoption, like we saw with HD, I-, I think we're a long way off from that. I mean, you, you got to think, you know, how many big advances in TV tech have there been? You know, you had black and white, which, I mean, l- heck, I had black and- we had black and white TVs when I was a kid. And that wasn't really that long ago. You know, color, what came out in the 60s. And, you know, and the, I guess that was one leap from black and white to color. That was one leap. But even black and white st- stuck around for a long time. And then the next leap was HD in the you know early, mid-2000s. And, you know, it's only in the past cup two or three years, really. I mean, it's it's still not that unusual to go to somebody's house and they have some old standard def TV hooked up. So, I mean, I, I think that's just sort of how things go. There's not that many big leaps in TV tech. Most people um, aren't that demanding. And and when things do happen, you know, it's like you're going to have some early adopters and then, but you have a lot of people who are just be like, well, when I get it, I get it, you know, <laughs> because it's just, for most people, you know, they might watch a lot of TV, but it's not their priority. You know, it's not their passion. It's just something they do to pass the time. Um, I think that I guess that's what makes the difference. You know, if you're passionate about TV, then yeah, you're going with the latest and greatest right away. But most people don't feel that way. TV is just a means to an end. And also, TVs last eight or ten years. So you buy an HD set in 2006. Okay, maybe now you'll say, oh, you know what? I'll get a new one. Remember also, other than 4K, the improvements from year to year of TV sets are very minor. Most people won't be able to tell the difference unless their set's drastically inferior with color reproduction. But I think 
95% of the sets out there are good enough, and the differences will be so subtle if you're not a real wacky video person, it won't matter. Plus, from show to show, the producers have different requirements about color. They might light it dark. They might use muted colors, bright colors. A lot of the differences you see in color reproduction on your set are not because of the set, but because the producers of that program have priorities, artistic priorities. As much as you think, well, a TV show is something to fill space between commercials to the people who make those shows. We're talking about dedicated artists from A to Z working real hard, like 14, 18 hour days to put out those shows. You know, I have a great amount of respect for them, as you probably can tell. I also have a lot of respect for Josh Centers, our guest, who's going to continue for a couple of more segments. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. This is an alert. If your business or church is building this year, you're about to pay more than you should. This could mean thousands of dollars more for your office, retail space, church, or warehouse. A general steel building can save you as much as half the cost and time of similar conventional construction. And we're offering rebates of up to $20,000 to help you build today. Call General Steel for free information that could save you thousands. Call 866-91-STEEL. 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 Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So anyway, that's our TV stuff. That's our 4K stuff with Josh Centers of Tidbits and Take Control Books. I think we're going to bring someone back from Vizio. We talk to them every few years about TV technology and see what they have to say. I have a three-and-a-half-year-old Vizio set, one of their low-end E-models. I think the picture's as good as anything I see out there. 
I can't tell much yeah. of a difference. So, yeah, what the heck. Now, I gather here Watch OS 3. They're saying this is a huge change. They're really, really rethinking a lot of things about that product to make it more compelling. What can you tell us? Yeah, Watch OS 3... Honestly, I think of all the updates, this is probably the most exciting. And well, and you notice in the keynote, it came first. It's really a mea culpa. It's a total rethinking of how they do stuff on the watch. Um, well, there's a lot of duplicate stuff in Watch OS now. There's, you know, you have the glances, and then you have the actual apps. It's just, it's just confusing. So they're getting rid of glances. Now it's more like iOS. You swipe up from the bottom. That's control center. Control center isn't hidden away where you have to pull up the glances, go all the way left. No, it's just right there. And they've gotten rid of the, the friend contact ring. So now when you uh, press that side button, it pulls up an app dock. And that works like how glances used to. And you put your favorite apps in there. I'm not sure if there's a limit. There probably is. And those apps that stay there are not only more easy to access, but it also preloads them into memory. So probably the worst, the single worst thing about Apple Watch right now is you go to the little honeycomb grid, you open an app, it takes forever to open the dadgum app. You know, 30 seconds or more, it's ridiculous. That's unfortunately still the case. But if you open, if you save an app in the dock, then it keeps it loaded in memory. So those apps will watch instantly. So you pick, you know, the apps you like the most, you know, maybe like messages or, uh, you know, your to-do list and whatnot. <clears throat> you know, you, you hit the button, you, you open it from the dock, bam. Spo- it, from what I understand, opens instantly. So, so those are the big changes. There are some other things. Um, you know, I think they've redesigned some of the apps. I think you can actually check things off your reminders list now, which uh, has been, you know, <laughs> desperately needed that. But, you know, that, that's the general gist. Uh, you know, making things faster, make the interface make more sense and be less confusing. And as someone who, who just doesn't wear his Apple Watch ever and kind of hates the dang thing, to be honest, um, I'm actually excited for this because I, you know, I, I don't want to hate Apple Watch. I want to like it. I want to wear it. I want to want to wear it. And, you know, if uh, with these fixes, um, I think I'll be able to do that. And also, of course, they're adding more APIs so developers can make more interesting apps. So, you know, I think that's going to be a welcome thing as well. I think, you know, with watchOS 3, I think Apple, you know, this old joke about Microsoft takes them three tries to get anything right. I think that's kind of true with everyone, Apple included. And so I think they're finally starting to figure out what exactly they want the Apple Watch to be. And the thing to bear in mind here is that Apple is opening up APIs everywhere. There's a Siri API, there's a Maps API. I think there's a Messages API too, where it allows third-party developers to get into the act to make profits and therefore boost the platform. Now, I have to tell you, because we're going to get into iOS 10 now, And the big thing is supposed to be messages. All this extra fluff (laughs) and cotton candy that's stuffing in there, not just for your iPhone, but for your Mac. And you know what I think? Well, we have a word back in Brooklyn, New York about it. Theh. You know, I've actually been running the iOS 10 uh, beta on my iPad, and I've been communicating with some of uh, the people who take control with these new iMessages. And honestly, i got to say, I like them. I'll tell you why, Gene. It's not just silliness. It's a little silly. But, you know, there's this real problem when you communicate over plain text where I think people tend to read each other the wrong way. And and you tend to read messages in plain text a little harsher than you probably would if there was inflection and voice in that. 
honestly, probably 90% of the fights my wife and I have had have started because we misread each other over text message. And so with all this stuff, Apple is making it so that text messages can be a lot more expressive. You know, if you're, if you're mad, you can slam it down. If you're, if you feel remorse, you can kind of whisper it, you know, um, you know, you can do all these extra things, you know, you can, you know, add a heart to, you know, something, you can draw a little picture. You have so many more options for texting now with messages. And I think it's going to be major, honestly. I think it's really going to improve things, you know, you know, and prevent misunderstandings and help people communicate better over text. So, uh, no, I don't think it's just fluff. I, I think it's in terms of making com- human communication better. And let's be honest, a lot of human communication happens over plain text now. I, I think it's an enormous boon and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Well, it's funny. My wife and I communicate by email, not messages, email from my home office to the bedroom, which is, you know, five feet away. Now, we to show you how crazy this is, we're using a company called Polaris Mail for my business email. They're located in Montreal. So we're in Mesa, Arizona. She sends me a message. That message goes to Montreal to be processed by the email servers and comes back here. What can I say? All right. Well, I mean, I, I think this is part of, modern times, you know, part of being a geek, you know, I mean, if I'm in here in my office working and, you know, my wife's home for summer and she's in the room, sure, yeah, I mean, we talk over messages, you know, it just, it's more efficient. You know, I think that's true for a lot of people and it's better than shouting at each other. And if, uh, you know, they, they make it, you know, if Apple's making it so it's possible to be more expressive and to have a wider range of emotion uh, in communication, then uh, no, i I think it's great. Um, you know, I'm looking for. I'm looking forward to seeing what developers do with the extra capability as well. Well, you know, that's you. This is me. I don't care about all the formatting and fluff. Maybe I would communicating with my son Grayson. Maybe it would be fun to play around when and if he updates to iOS 10. I think he has an iPhone 5, so he's eligible. We should mention the system requirements, by the way, for that. So with iOS. It's like a fourth-generation iPad or later, the iPad Mini 2 or later, the iPod Touch 6 or later, I don't think there's anything later, and the iPhone 5. The iPhone 4S is history. But understand, too, with that older gear, the experience with iOS 9 was not that super great. So having it this way isn't so bad. No, no, I think Apple's been more than fair in terms of support. I mean, really, and Apple usually is the only device I think they kind of you know mucked over users with uh, in recent years is the first iPad. Um, I'm kind of afraid the Apple Watch would be the same way, but I don't think I don't think they're going to do that. I, I I think they want the Apple Watch people to be happy, um, especially since it isn't quite the big hit that the iPad was, right? At least it doesn't seem to be that way. Um, but yeah, totally fair. You know, yeah, I, I, I lose some of my devices aren't going to be supported anymore, and that's annoying. But, you know, I, I think it's totally fair. Now, as we're talking, I'm looking at an iPhone 6, which is running the iOS 10 beta. The notifications have changed. Before, you just see a long display of white on black text, which I don't like. I don't think it's readable except for short passages. Now it's black on two shades of gray. And it's little little rectangles with circular corners. I guess little sheets. Wouldn't you call them like little notification sheets? 
Yeah, they're well, they're bubbles, but then um, now I haven't actually seen these yet. But supposedly developers will be able to make them smarter, so you can, you know, uh, force press or maybe long press on other devices, um, you know, to open them up and, and see additional information. Um, so yeah, that that's a major change. The other major change now here's the thing that you know the notifications will probably throw you for a loop. The major change I think is going to throw a lot of people for a loop in uh, iOS 10 is the lock screen because the lock screen is totally different than it w- has been in the past. It's going to require some some rethinking and some retraining of muscle memory. You know what? Why aren't you in our next segment? Explain to our listeners because the public beta is going to be out next month, mm-hmm. and so I'm going to try iOS 10. Explain the way the home screen and lock screen are going to change, especially the lock screen. And I think it's better once you get used to it, but something that you have to consider. We have Josh Sanders. He's with Tidbits and Take Control Books. I'm Gene Steinberg. Please check plus.technightowl.com to learn about our subscription service with an enhanced version of this show. More to come on the other side. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Imagine your life five years from now. Are you on the path you want to be on? It's time to take control of your future by getting a world-class education from one of the nation's top universities. Arizona State University is now offering over 100 top-tier degree programs 100% online. It's the exact same degree our on-campus students receive, but you can learn from anywhere in the country on your own schedule. For information, call 1-800-939-9634. Learn from ASU's world-renowned faculty and use ASU's global recognition to improve your visibility, professional network, and gain real-world experience you can start using today. The Wall Street Journal ranked ASU fifth in the nation for producing the best qualified graduates. Now discover how ASU Online can stand out on your resume and help separate you from the competition. We are ready to help you learn to thrive in your life, in your career, and beyond. To learn more about ASU online degrees, call 1-800-939-9634. That's 1-800-939-9634. This is David Cordani, CEO of Cigna. For more than 20 years, Cigna has worked with the March of Dimes to address premature births in the U.S. Premature births cause horrible suffering and cost billions of dollars each year. That's why Cigna is committed to raising funds and awareness through our employees, family, and friends to improve the health of moms and babies. Please join us in supporting the March for Babies. Start your team today at marchforbabies.org. Dangerous blood clot device alert. 
If you or a loved one had an IVC filter placed to prevent blood clots from traveling to your heart or lungs and suffered an injury, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. The FDA warns that IVC filters may cause serious complications, such as heart or lung damage, internal bleeding, and even death. These dangerous blood clot devices can break and the metal fragments can travel to your heart or lungs causing serious injuries. If you or a loved one suffered organ damage or other injuries, from an IVC filter, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Act now. Time is limited to file a claim. For a free consultation and free information, call Injury Help Desk at 800-478-1507. 800-478-1507. 800-478-1507. This is an advertisement. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. InjuryHelpDesk.com is responsible for this advertisement. Principal Office, Las Vegas, Nevada. Worried about lead, fluoride, and other con- Contaminants in your drinking water? Get a ProPure with the Pro 1G 2.0 cleanable reusable filter and remove up to 200 contaminants. Drink water the way nature meant it to be clean, crisp, and refreshing. See the complete line of ProPure products, including the new ProMax shower filter. There's a ProPure for you. Visit your authorized ProPure dealer for details or ProPureUSA.com. That's P R O P U R USA.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. Okay, Josh Centers. The lock screen on iPhone and as a corollary on an iPad with iOS 10. What's new, different, and apt to be confusing? Okay, so the big main thing, now when you first um, wake up your iPad, it's going to look more or less the same. But what's going to throw you for a loop, and, and we've already been trained for this with Touch ID, but... Uh, for the first time since the iPhone debuted, you, you're not going to swipe to unlock your screen. And Apple didn't say it explicitly at the keynote, but what they did say, you might remember, you swipe from left to right to access your widgets. Your widgets have been moved. They're no longer a notification center. Also, the Siri suggestions thing from iOS 9 is gone. It's been replaced by this widget screen that also has a search box at the top, and that's also available from the lock screen. So you swipe left to right, that's your widgets. Go back to the home screen, you swipe from right to left, and that's camera. You no longer do this. Do the swipe from the bottom right up to access your camera. You just swipe over. Unfortunately, so far, you can't just swipe back. You actually have to hit the home button to go back. I hope they, they fix that because it's confusing. So you may ask, well, how do you unlock your iPhone if you don't scan with Touch ID? Well, now what you do, you press the home button. So on my iPad, I wake up the screen, press the home button, enter my pin if it requires it, and that unlocks the screen. Now, what sounds bad about this so far um, from, from early uh, beta reports, and of course, this will very likely change, but if you have Touch ID on iOS 10, you have to, you can't just scan your fingerprint to unlock the iPhone. You have to scan and press. Now, supposedly, if you put your thumb over it, you put your thumbprint over it, and you press down the home button, it'll unlock it right away. So, but either way, without some major changes, there's going to be, you're going to have to do some uh, retraining of your muscle memory. Because, I mean, 
you know, yeah, I mean, even for me, you know, like on my iPad, I'm so used to doing that swipe. And I think the home button way is better. Um, I really do. I, I do worry it may wear out home buttons a little quicker, but I think in terms of efficiency, and I've heard from some people who know other, like I heard from a guy whose wife has Parkinson's, and so for her, the swipe is really difficult. And so just pressing the button, it isn't that easy for her, but it's a lot easier than doing the swipe, you know, in a straight line. So I, I think it's an improvement overall, but it, it's the one big thing that's probably going to throw you for a loop. Most of the stuff, notifications look a little different. Um, I'm sure over time they'll act a little different. Uh, messages is going to be a little weirder, but that's the one thing that I think is going to throw more people for a loop is, is that lock screen change. And they do have a label on it, by the way, to press the home button. Mm-hmm. So it's not something you'll forget. I hope. I mean, some people just do things and they don't look. But we'll assume they do. Now, I will say this without saying anything I know about. Supposedly, the iOS 10 beta, it's fairly stable. Okay, it's in better shape than the Mac OS Sierra beta. But again, this is all going to come out about a month from now. Apple will have a number of weeks to fine-tune things, make it better for users. Again, if you want to try iOS 10 on your iPhone or iPad, be prepared with the possibility here that you might have to restore your device and make sure that you're set to back up to the cloud or to iTunes. This way, if you have to restore it from scratch, it's not a problem. On a Mac, back up. Use an external drive. Use a second partition. Whatever you do, you want to have a way to get back to your normal environment. And also, don't use it on a production machine. Right. I, I have a system to this. Well, because I do the iOS books... I need to get going right away with them. And I don't have a lot of test devices. I have a hard time keeping my Apple hardware working. So this is my system, and feel free to borrow from this as you will. But when the the betas first come out, I install, um, right away, I install the beta on my iPad. Because if my iPad goes kaput, I don't really care that much. I don't use it that much. My iPhone, I depend on. But I don't have a lot of iPhones to test on. So what I do, I wait till beta 3 for iPhone. Um, because usually by beta 3, it's not perfect, but it's at least usable. I'm not going to have a lot of weird crashes. Most of the apps will work. Um, battery life won't be too atrocious. Um, it's at least enough to get started. And uh, now I have an Apple Watch to play with this year, so I'll probably do that update at the same time because I'm not wearing my Apple Watch anyway. And so, I mean, you know, what do I have to lose? I'm trying to figure out when to do Apple TV. Um, I've heard a lot of very mixed things. That might be another beta three, maybe beta four thing, probably later in the summer, because um, we are planning an update, another update to the Apple TV book, but it's it's going to be um, less important than the iOS book. And honestly, probably won't take that long to do. So I can hold off on that for a bit. Now, as for my Mac, I do not update my Mac. I don't put beta stuff on my Mac. Um, if, my, if my old MacBook Pro, I could get the thing to boot, I would try it on there, but I can't. So I don't mess with my Mac until all the books are out, right? So like when the iOS 10 book comes out and we get the, we get the tvOS book updated, I'll do, I'll do all my backups. You know, I have three different backups of everything on my computer. I got the Time Machine, uh, Mirror, and Backblaze. That's a standard. And, but then once all the books are out, I, I don't have any major deadlines looming overhead. I'll take, my, take a weekend, update. Usually goes without drama, but, you know, that's, that's my system. And that way I can try out things early and kind of ease my way into it as I go. And then, you know, my Mac, honestly, being my probably my most important machine, at least, you know, for making a living, that's the last one that gets updated. Well, as I said, I have a second partition on my iMac, so it shouldn't be a big deal. 
just to reboot, try it out. Doesn't work, I'll go back. With iOS 10, it is on one of my iPhones, an iPhone 6. That works pretty well. A few things are a little draggy. Yeah. It's not as slow as most beta ones. The um, uh, biggest problem has been springboard crashes and the screen not rotating when it should. Like it gets stuck in landscape or gets that's stuck very in common. Yes, yeah, and that's that's standard for beta one. Those are some of the first, that and text alignment. Like you'll rotate the screen and text will be overlapping and all that kind of stuff. Totally standard first couple of iOS betas. So I mean. <laughs> That's how it goes. Just to give you a quick observation here, when you look at what Apple's done, even beta versions of it, and you compare it to Windows 10 and what Microsoft is doing, they are like on different planets. And I wouldn't even consider Android N, which is the current version, because very few people will even get a chance to run it once it's released this fall. In terms of where Apple is with operating systems, with integration, if they can lick the iCloud issues and make all this integration more seamless. And I hope they have thought about that pretty carefully. I think they're doing wonders in providing an integrated set of products and to really lock you in to Apple. And I think they will make it more difficult to give a use case for going Android. Well, it's all about ecosystem now, and Apple blows everyone else away with the ecosystem. Microsoft has a decent one, but their phone product never took off, and now they're more focused on iOS and Android, and they're, they're playing catch-up there because they had to reshift. Google has a decent ecosystem, but it's mostly based in Android and Chrome, right? You know, They don't have a good TV option. They don't really have a good tablet option. They don't even really have a good desktop option that doesn't involve a web browser. Josh Sanders, please tell our listeners where they can find more of what you do. All right. You can read my articles at tidbits.com, my tweets at at jcenters on Twitter, and you can buy my books at takecontrolbooks.com. Josh Sanders, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks for having me again. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Has your body ever gone low blood sugar feeling weak, shaky, knowing you better eat something fast? We all know high blood sugar can lead to many metabolic problems. At GCNteam.com, we have a healthy blood sugar pack focusing on the structure and function of stable blood sugar. Find us at GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Nothing feels worse than unstable blood sugar. Call 877-878-4203. That's 877-878-4203. Paid non-attorney spokesperson, Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas, is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice, and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-0937. That's 800-261-0937. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-704-6182. 
a place for mom offers free one-on-one advice from local advisors and a personalized list of senior living communities you can visit. If you have questions about senior care for your mom or dad, there's a place for answers, a place for mom. Call a place for mom in the next 10 minutes to get your free ebook on financing senior care as well as free information on senior living communities in your area. Call 1-800-704-6182. That's 1-800-704-6182. Hi, Peter Vaccaro for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up for free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, mysteries, ghosts, UFOs, and the afterlife, and so much more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people seeking a viable alternative to the other dating services. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and want to connect with people, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. Mark Rawlings, president of ParanormalDate.com, says so many people hunger to share their experiences about the paranormal, the unexplainable, or the afterlife, and so much more, and this is the source for them to meet and share that common interest. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com, ParanormalDate.com, and use the code GEORGE if you decide to connect with someone you like. Is negative content or comments on the web affecting your personal or professional reputation? Unfavorable comments, embarrassing pictures, videos, legal documents, and negative articles can ruin your personal life, your career, or your business. It happens a lot, and it's just not fair. But what can you do? ReputationDefender.com can help protect your good name. Get a free consultation now. Call 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Call right now for a free expert reputation analysis. It's easy to squash the unfair attacks with our patented system, and the analysis is absolutely free. Make the best things about you jump out in searches. Protect your personal and professional reputation, your business, and your income. Get your free reputation analysis from ReputationDefender.com right now. Call 800-831-0771. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit ReputationDefender.com today. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. We're joined by outspoken columnist and podcaster Peter Cohen. A lot to discuss on the table this week. And as we did with Josh Center's The Tidbits and Take Control books, we want to focus on Apple, the Worldwide Developers Conference. But before we do that, Peter, there's an article that has been making the rounds where somebody suggests that Apple is destined to become the next BlackBerry. We hardly even know what BlackBerry is anymore. What is that all about? I don't really give it a lot of thought. I mean, Apple is the biggest tech company in the world, one of the biggest companies in the world. Anybody saying that Apple's death knell is here is just being stupid. Is that all hit bait? Is that what this is all about? Clickbait, absolutely. You know, the, the if it bleeds, it leads is is an adage that's existed in the news business uh, since long before the advent of the World Wide Web. That, of course, is is a uh, 
uh, as a phrase that dates back to the, the glory days of, of print journalism. People's behavior is no different now in 2016 than it was in, in, in 1960. You know, people are, are, are interested in the salacious. They're interested in, they're, they're interested in, 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 in whatever gripping uh, sort of narrative that, that is, is going to interest them. And if you can write something potentially controversial about Apple, uh, and you're you're a tech columnist. It's something that's going to draw uh, a certain amount of eyes. It's a cheap way uh, to get people to read your stuff, uh, but that's the the business that we're in these days, unfortunately. So what we're looking at here, I think, is the complaint on the part of some that Apple isn't doing enough about artificial intelligence. And part of that is that other companies, before they have a finished product, will say, look what we've got, look what we're doing, and Google is one of the worst defenders. Microsoft has done that quite a bit. Apple normally doesn't show technology all that much unless, number one, it's going to be available to developers so the word gets out, or they're ready to launch something and do a big marketing presentation on it. Well, let's cut to the meat. You know, the the particular editorial that you're talking about, I'm assuming, is is the one that Marco Arment wrote, correct? Correct. I okay, just didn't so want to mention his name, but you're free to do so. Oh yeah, whatever. I mean, you know, he's not the devil. He's not going to all of a sudden manifest himself in a in a, in a cloud of black crows because he, because we mention his name on this podcast. But here's the bottom line: Marco is a programmer. Uh, he's a podcaster, and he is a, a raconteur. It is his business to try to get people uh, interested in what he's saying. And he posted an, a, uh, a, uh, an editorial. And this actually goes back. This is well before WWDC. He posted this in late May. Um, and he says, if Google is right about AI, that's a problem for Apple. That's the headline of uh, his particular treatise here. And, um, you know, he starts out by evoking RIM, uh, Research in Motion, the company that made the BlackBerry smartphone. Uh, and he said, you know, before the iPhone came along, you know, the iPhone, is, as you recall, was released by Apple in 2007. RIM's BlackBerry was the king of smartphones. I can't disagree with what he's saying. The first smartphone I ever owned was a BlackBerry. And I was very fond of my BlackBerry. In fact, the only reason I got rid of my BlackBerry, even after the iPhone was released, is because it broke and it it would have cost me more to replace it with another identical model than it would have been uh, to get an iPhone. So for me, it made sense, financial sense to get an iPhone because, you know, the, the company that I was working for at the time was writing about them anyway, so I could write it off as a business expense. Um, and Apple made it, Apple and at the time Singular or AT&T made it easier for me um, to, to get the phone. Uh, than to get a replacement for my BlackBerry. So uh, I switched, and things never looked, uh, I never looked back. So did millions of other consumers. So on the surface anyway, Marco brings up, I think, a very valid point, and that is that Apple and other tech companies that want to stay relevant in the modern age always, always need to be on the lookout for the next big thing. And the next big thing that we're hearing about right now is AI. Right. It is chatbots on social networks. It is uh, improved uh, communication and intelligence with the intelligent assistants that are built into all the major operating systems now. Uh, you know, you can you can talk to, to to Google about things that you want to do on, on on your Chromebook. You can talk to your your Windows uh, device using um, uh, Cortana. You know, which is which is uh, Microsoft's own implementation. You can use Siri on the Mac. Uh, we're getting into into a time where 
the use of our devices is so complicated and so sophisticated that it only makes sense that we should be talking to them um, as a way of sort of naturally interacting with them. And we can see, you know, from May 21st, which is when Marco posted this, to this week, Apple has introduced Siri on the Mac, which is, I'm, I'm sure, something we'll talk about at some point during our segment. But, you know, this is a big step forward for those people who want to be able to interact naturally uh, with their Macintosh the same way that they might with their phone. I know that, you know, Siri has been a game changer for me in many different ways. You know, I, I ask Siri to find a song or an album that I want to listen to when I'm driving so I'm less distracted. I use it to um, uh, send messages to people from my Apple Watch or create reminders like my shopping list. You know, I'll stand in front of my fridge with my Apple Watch to my uh, to my mouth going, you know, put mayonnaise on the shopping list. And it does it. That is a fantastic time saver for me. And I love it. And as Apple figures out ways to make that technology more sophisticated and more invisible, we'll use it. We'll, we'll, we'll see it in- integrated into our experience with our Apple products. Now, as a practical matter, I don't know that I care that much about having Siri on a Mac, but a lot of people do. And I'm not talking about people who work in small cubicles at offices. I mean, there are things there that are interesting. Also, you know, Apple doesn't say artificial intelligence, artificial intelligence. They say, look how Siri can do this. Look how Siri can perform that. They don't tell. They don't tell you. They show you what it does, but it adds up to more or more sophisticated ways for artificial intelligence. You're correct, Gene. And I think that um, one way of, of, of looking at this might be to, to, to sort of explain that Apple looks for ways to solve problems for people as opposed to necessarily giving them the buzzwords they're looking for. Let me give you a very practical example from uh, the Worldwide Developers Conference this week. Not to get too off track, but I I think it'll illustrate the the point that I'm trying to make here. This week, Apple introduced technology in macOS 10.12 Sierra, the version of macOS that's going to be coming out later this year, um, that enables people to unlock their Macs Uh, using their Apple Watch. So if their Apple Watch is within proximity to their Macintosh, they're going to be able to unlock their Mac. This answers a problem that I've been asking Apple to to solve for a few years now. Ever since I got an iPhone with Touch ID, I said, I want Touch ID on my Mac. I want want to be able to maybe put my thumb on the trackpad or um, on on some other interface on my Mac that would let it unlock with the same ease and sophistication of use as Touch ID. Because Touch ID is just it's it's a it's a disruptive technology that's completely changed the way that I interact with my smartphone. Well, Apple listened to me. Apple gave me a solution, but they didn't give me Touch ID. You know, that's listening to your customers and identifying the problem and figuring out a way to fix it, but not necessarily giving them what they're asking for because what they're asking for may not be right. And this is something that Apple has done over and over and over again. So. Who cares what the buzzword of the week is when tech pundits like Marco Arment start talking about AI? Does anybody really care about AI? No, people care about what you can do with AI, how it actually makes the user experience better. That is what Apple has a knack for figuring out, and that is why they are as successful as they are. The other thing about using a fingerprint sensor is that, first of all, all Macs don't have it. I think you can maybe buy add-ons that will allow you to use fingerprint sensing. But so far, Macs haven't had it. So you need to have a feature 
that allows you to use a fingerprint sensor without having to buy a new computer. It doesn't mean that Apple isn't going to next week or next month announce a MacBook Pro with a fingerprint sensor. More than likely, they could if they wanted to. They own the technology. They bought the company that was one of the forerunners in doing it well. We've got Peter Cohen, who always does it well, which is why we welcome him to the Tech Night Owl Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com We use mobile devices right against our bodies every day. But growing scientific evidence has emerged showing serious health risks associated with exposure to EMF radiation emitted from these devices. The solution is Defender Shield, the most effective mobile radiation shielding ever developed. Defender Shield blocks virtually 100% of EMF radiation from cell phones, tablets, and laptops and starts at just $64.99. Buy now at DefenderShield.com. For 10% off, use promo code GCN. DefenderShield.com, the worldwide leader in mobile radiation shielding. This is an alert. If your business or church is building this year, you're about to pay more than you should. This could mean thousands of dollars more for your office, retail space, church, or warehouse. A general steel building can save you as much as half the cost and time of similar conventional construction. And we're offering rebates of up to $20,000 to help you build today. Call General Steel for free information that could save you thousands. Call 866-91-STEEL. 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 This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. My computer is so slow, it's making me crazy. I used to have that problem. Did you quit using the computer, or did you buy a new one? No, I called Geeks on Site. They made an appointment to visit my home and showed up the same day. You mean they didn't ask you to bring your computer to a shop? That's what happened when I called a support company. Geeks on Site can go to your home or business or even repair your computer online. They have 24-7 emergency service. If you're having problems with your PC or Mac, call Geeks on Site. 1-800-591-1682. 
Our friendly certified computer repair experts are available 24-7. Call now for a free diagnosis. 1-800-591-1682. Data recovery, virus removal, and maintenance for all laptops, desktops, printers, and networks. That's Geeks on Site for friendly certified computer repair experts available 24-7 over the phone or in your home or business. Just call 1-800-591-1682. That's 1-800-591-1682. 1-800-591-1682. Are your Google search results killing you? Unflattering content in blogs, news articles, online reviews, social media, or other sources can jeopardize your reputation, your business, and your livelihood. Let Reputation.com help. Our patented technology will make the truth about you more visible while pushing down unwanted negative content. Improve your Google search results. Call Reputation.com at 1-800-831-0771 for a free consultation. That's 800-831-0771. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle, live with Gene Steinberg. All right, so you see the point I'm making here is you therefore have a way to use your fingerprint without having Apple to build it into your Mac but it doesn't mean they wouldn't do it in the future, right? Oh, certainly. I mean, you know, Apple's behavior is only indicative of what they're doing today, right? You know, Apple will tell you that something's a bad idea straight until they do it. You know, but typically they'll do it with a twist. They'll do it with some unique way that 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 you hadn't thought of, or or you know something non-obvious. So it, it you know the Apple Watch to unlock the, the the Mac was a great solution for me because I'm an Apple Watch user, and I'm sure it'll give some people a good incentive to buy an Apple Watch who may not have considered it already. And I understand that you know that helps Apple's bottom line because Apple's in the business of selling hardware. But I think that's a more clever way of attracting uh, people to buying a Mac or to maybe buying an Apple Watch than replacing the Mac with the Touch ID sensor. Now, the Touch ID sensor in its current form wouldn't work on the Mac for a few different reasons. One of them is because the information that enables Touch ID to operate is stored in a special part of the silicon that's on the iPhone, the AX processor, whatever generation it is that you're using you know, in, in your most current model or the model that you've got with Touch ID on it. And those processors are not available on the Macintosh. The Mac uses Intel microprocessors. Now, Intel has similar technology to Secure Enclave, which is the the, the advanced uh, secure storage system that Apple iPhone and iPad chips use to store uh, the Touch ID information in a way that can't easily uh, be manipulated by, let's say, a hacker or somebody doing forensic reconstruction on your phone, what have you. But that technology is not available on the Mac. So, you know, it, 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 until Apple gets to the point where, you know, its AX processors are ready to be in the Mac, and eh, that may come a few years down the pike, we'll see. You know, Apple's got to come up with an interim solution. So this was their interim solution for that. And I'm sorry to go down the rabbit hole about the Apple Watch and unlocking the Mac and stuff, but I think it illustrates the point that we were making. All right. It's going to be done with the Apple Watch. Why not also do it with the iPhone? Well, the iPhone is 
integral to the Mac experience more and more, right? Apple introduced Handoff a couple of years ago uh, with its operating systems. And, you know, the idea is that you've got a lot of cross-communication between your iPhone and your Mac and your Apple Watch and all your other Apple devices. The, the idea is that the, the task that you're doing should be the important thing and what you're doing it on should be less important. So if I'm composing an email on my iPhone because I'm on the train and all of a sudden I get to the office... Handoff makes it easy for me to open my Mac and keep working on that email, even though I had last touched it on my iPhone. It also makes it possible for me to use my phone as an, uh, as an instant hotspot if I happen to be out of the office and need Wi-Fi, uh, but don't have access to an open Wi-Fi network. All these technologies are things that Apple has been integrating over the past couple of years into the iOS and OS 10 or now Mac OS uh, operating systems. You know, that that's all exciting and good. And, and uh, we're seeing that continue with iOS 10 and uh, Mac OS 10.12 Sierra because Apple Pay is going to be supported. So if you've got a phone with Apple Pay on it, you'll be able to use it on your Mac to make online purchases. That is going to be great for people who like to do online shopping on their Mac as opposed to doing it on their phone. I know that's how I prefer to work. So I'm happy to see that filter over. So where it makes sense, where Apple can sort of erase the interface and make it just about the user experience, I think that Apple is very anxious to blur those lines between the phone, the Mac, the watch, and other devices. I'd like to look at some more of these features. Let's look at the universal clipboard. Now that's going to share a clipboard among all your Apple devices. And that uses iCloud as the intermediary, I suppose, right? And this is ex exactly what I'm talking about um, with, uh, you know, Apple blurring that line. Um, the universal clipboard makes it possible for me to, let's say, copy something um, into the, the, the clipboard on my iPad and then paste it onto my Mac or vice versa. So again, making... What device I'm working on, what operating system, even what application I'm using secondary to getting the task done that I need to do. That makes a lot of sense. Now, a couple of things here. Now, we understand that normally the items you will copy are short text snippets or something like that, possibly a photo. So it's not going to use a lot of iCloud storage space, and we'll get to that in a moment here. Now, there have been schemes from third parties over the years to set up a multi-clipboard, meaning a number of objects, and they tend to be a little ungainly in the interface. Wouldn't this be something Apple should consider in the future, not just one item? The last item is in the clipboard and then replaced by the next item that you copy. How about a way to make it so that you can have multiple items at one time? I haven't drilled down too far into this, so I don't know how far Apple is exposing the API to, to developers. Um, but this will be an interesting thing to keep an eye on. I'm not sure whether this initial implementation is going to allow uh, third-party developers to uh, to tie in on the Mac or, or um, in, in iOS to uh, uh, the clipboard to build out multiple multiple functionality. But what you're talking about, you know, is is the sort of thing that third-party developers have loved to do over the years. So it might be an entree for. Uh, uh, you know, people who are part of the Apple uh, development ecosystem to come out with products that could appeal to uh, uh, to consumers. And we point out here that Apple is slowly opening up more of its features to third parties like Siri. There's a Siri API. So other app developers within whatever limitations Apple imposes can use Siri. So you, maybe you could talk to Quark Express 
to open a document and maybe insert a photo. I'm just giving you an example that this can be expanded in all sorts of ways. Now, there's another feature here that's going to use your iCloud drive. And here I can see concerns, but I can see where the value of it is, which is the ability to have share, in a sense, your desktop and documents folders. Now, I don't know about you, but I look at my desktop and documents folders and I've got over 250 gigabytes in both combined. I'm not unusual. That's going to be a lot of storage space in your iCloud. So it's certainly one way for Apple to sell a larger iCloud drive. Is that where this is pushing? Let's deconstruct this a bit because I think that this is a really important thing to understand and um, an important thing to to, to understand why Apple is taking this particular approach. So we've seen a sea change in the way that um, uh, people use their devices over the course of the past few years. You know, people who are buying new Macintoshes are buying them with SSDs installed, solid-state drives, right? So they're, it, it enables Apple to make thinner, uh, more efficient computers than ever before. You know, the, the new MacBook, for example, is amazingly fast for such a tiny device. Uh, but there's a, a practical downside um, to, to SSDs as well, and that's that the cost per gigabyte in terms of storage is much higher uh, than a conventional hard disk drive uh, like we used to have in the Mac. And you can still get in the Mac Mini or the iMac. Uh, but the laptops, which is what most people who use Macs for uh, uh, th these days are, are, are using, uh, are, are getting them with, with, with SSDs. SSDs just don't have as much storage. You can pay an exorbitant amount of money if you want a one terabyte uh, SSD. But um, the cost per gigabyte is a lot higher. So people are buying computers with less storage. And people are unfortunately buying phones and iPads with probably less storage than they should as well. Now, Apple has given people a reason to um, upgrade uh, to the next tier. Uh, in the course of the past uh, year or two, they've they've switched their, or in the, in the course of the past year, they've switched their their middle tier from 32 gigs to 64 gigs. So you know, you buy the 16 gigabyte iPhone or iPad, you pay 100 bucks more, you get four times as much storage instead of twice as much storage. It's a much better value. More people are doing that, but still, a lot of people have devices that don't have the storage capacity that they need for the very large files that they're moving, whether they're video files that they've recorded of their kids playing in a recital or photographs um, or um, uh, music or other large media files, all this stuff takes up a lot of space. Well, iCloud is out there, and iCloud provides a huge amount of, uh, of offline, online, and nearline storage for people if they want to use it. Um, and what Apple is doing is they're enabling people to make their documents folder part of that iCloud hierarchy. So if you're paying for iCloud storage, you can use it to store the files that are on your Mac um, and not worry about running out of space on that paltry little SSD. Um, the interesting thing about this secondarily that Apple is doing is that they're also exposing new maintenance tools that Mac users can use to reclaim space on their SSDs more transparently. I want to talk about that in our next segment and about, of course, the iCloud drive. We've got Peter Cohen. We're talking about the WWDC and the announcements drilling down here to some really fascinating stuff. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live.
Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com slash radio, DreamHost.com slash radio. There is an affordable alternative to the high cost of health care that offers freedom from insurance while providing compliance with the Obamacare mandate. Imagine having access to quality, affordable health care that allows you the freedom to choose your doctor and hospital. Members can share up to 100% of necessary medical expenses, including alternative treatments. Find out how you and your family can contain health care costs without giving up your freedom. Go to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org. Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. Welcome back to the Tech Night Out Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Okay, so we have all these SSDs, small amount of storage, the ability to use your iCloud drive as a central repository for a lot of this stuff. And part of the advantage is then you don't have to buy more storage and maybe take some of that money and pay for a bigger iCloud drive. So right now, for 200 gigabytes, it's $299. For a terabyte, it's $999. But your standard free storage is only 5 gigabytes. And I'm thinking here, the time is long past where Apple should be giving you more space free, don't you think? Absolutely. Apple is parsimonious. I think that's a kind to call them parsimonious. Cheap. Downright cheap. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So I was thinking here, I was suggesting my own pricing thing, and I'm being too conservative, but let me do a comparison here of pricing. So you can get a Microsoft OneDrive for $9.99, but not just one OneDrive, for five users. Each gets a terabyte plus five. Okay. So with Microsoft... You get five user licenses for Office, Mac, or Windows. Take your pick. Also, five user licenses for smartphones. So you're getting a lot more stuff for $9.99 from Microsoft. Of course, it's not integrated with Apple services. But I'm thinking here, if Apple would 
charge like $299 for 500 gigabytes and $499 for a terabyte. Certainly they could afford to do that. Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, Microsoft also sells its its cloud storage services as something called Azure, right? Uh, you know, it, 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 so Microsoft has, has developed quite an infrastructure and quite a business uh, for managing this. It's not a business that Apple is in. You know, Apple Apple is is trying to serve its own uh, needs with its iCloud and data center um, implementations, um, and it's taking a different track. So I don't necessarily think that a comparison to what Microsoft is doing uh, is an apples-to-apples apples comparison, if you will pardon the pun. Well, the thing um, here to bear in mind is that Microsoft is selling storage as a special product. This is a product. People will use Microsoft for any particular business purpose or whatever. Apple is selling iCloud Drive storage as part of the user experience with their gear. Very different. Microsoft also sweetens the pot with OneDrive. OneDrive uh, storage is part of Office 365 as well. So if you're an Office 365 subscriber, um, you get uh, a certain amount of OneDrive uh, storage on top of it. So, you know, Microsoft has kind of found ways to to insinuate uh, OneDrive into its user experience um, in interesting ways. But it's also not the same as the constellation of iCloud services that you're talking about. And as you point out, Gene, the thing here is not just the storage that you're getting, but the overall user experience that you're getting when you pay for more storage. You know, you're no longer running into problems with running out of space on your hard drive, as you pointed out, because of this new iCloud drive feature. You know, this is you know, enabling and enabling you to offload more of 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 what you're storing on your Mac. So it's kind of exciting. Now, the other issue here for getting the price and we think Apple should charge less and give you more free space and maybe they will. The other issue is if you're feeding all of this data to your iCloud drive, your ISP likely has a bandwidth cap, and that could that be is an a, issue. That is an excellent point, Gene, and one definitely of uh, interest to a lot of people. You know, if you're like me, your um, uh, internet service provider has probably been rattling their sabers about bandwidth caps for their customers, or you may even be the be, be subject to a cap that um, will require you to pay an additional charge if you exceed a certain monthly allotment uh, of bandwidth. And you know as as we as we get more dependent on the cloud, uh, we're we're putting more stuff up there. We're backing up to the cloud. You know, my my uh, uh, my day job, I, I write for a company called Backblaze whose business is is online backup. And you know that that is a certain amount of data in the cloud right there. Uh, Apple Music. If you use Apple Music on any of your devices, you're streaming over the cloud. If you use iCloud Drive on any of your devices, that stuff is getting stored in the cloud. If you use Dropbox, you're using the cloud. What is the cloud? The cloud is just servers on the internet. You know, so th that bandwidth, that movement of data back and forth costs money. It costs money regardless of whether you're doing it on your mobile device or whether you're doing it over your home internet connection or whether you're doing it at a cafe like Starbucks. You know, somebody somewhere is paying for that bandwidth. And bandwidth caps for a very real problem. So um, it'll be interesting to see how Apple and other companies um, who are so dependent on their customers being able to use cloud data 
advocate for them, uh, you know, uh, b- both uh, uh, legislatively um, and also, you know, just in terms of, of practical consumer advocacy with companies like Comcast and, uh, uh, you know, Cox and Time Warner and so on. You know, th- these are uh, interesting dis- discussions to see how they unfold. Now, with the higher end Cox accounts, to use an example, they give you, I think, a terabyte of data. Per More month. generous than Comcast, I believe. Very generous, as a matter of fact. And that's very good. I'm looking at it right now. It's a terabyte. I never use more than a couple of hundred or so. But I can see now where problems are going to arise as people start streaming 4K video. Not to mention using their expanded iCloud drive, their Microsoft OneDrive, whatever. People are going to use more and more of this data. So there's a point here where a lot of customers are going to be complaining to the ISPs. Right now, it's just a small percent of people who exceed the bandwidth caps. But at some point in the very, very near future, this has to reach ahead, and Apple's only hastening it by making cloud storage so transparent. Yeah, I figure that, um, you know, Apple's got to make announcements like this. And on one hand, Comcast um, and other ISPs have to be rubbing their hands together with glee, thinking about the additional revenue. Uh, But their customer support people have got to be going, yeah, this is going to be a nightmare for us uh, unless we do something to move the caps. The caps do move up over time. They do move up. They're just not moving up as fast as I think uh, those of us who are on the bleeding edge of this would like to see it happen. Well, this may certainly change things, because right now, the only unfortunate thing about it is if you look at Apple's information about Mac OS Sierra, they don't tell you, well, you may need more iCloud drive storage space and watch out for the bandwidth cap from your ISP. These are terms and conditions that I hope Apple will put in there as time goes on. It might be there now. You know, they might change things. But this is something they have to have considered, and I'm sure they have when presenting this. This is also an issue that when you read tech articles about cutting the cord and streaming video and all this other stuff, they seldom say anything about bandwidth problems. This is one of those issues that doesn't get a lot of play. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I can't disagree. And it's a sore subject with a lot of consumers. It's going to continue to be a problem. And, uh, you know, it's, I'm not sure what exactly the resolution is going to be outside of uh, internet service providers um, offering better value for their customers. I don't think they're going to have a choice. Because, as I said, it's one thing if a couple of percent are faced with this problem. But as soon as 10, 20, 30 percent of the customers are saying, wait a minute, I can't do my stuff. I can't stream my video. I can't back up my files to the company that you work for or any of the other online backup companies. That's going to be a problem. And I should point out here, too, that the technology that Apple is no doubt using for all this syncing stuff to iCloud, that has to be in some way related to the technology these online backup services use, right? I mean, it is a backup. Uh, Related in what sense? The fact is that this is, in a sense, a backup service. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, data storage is data storage. A data center is a data center. So that's uh, pretty true, Um, regardless of whether you're Apple or Google or Backblaze or uh, Microsoft. You know, it's 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 it all it is is just racks of uh, computers connected to the Internet with a very, very fast connection. 
Okay, we've got more to come about the Worldwide Developers Conference with Peter Cohen. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. There's no reason why you shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. And I'm going to give you a free copy of my lecture that tells you exactly how to do it. In fact, after you've lived a long and healthy life, there should be only two documents in your medical chart, a birth certificate and a death certificate. I'm Dr. Wallach with a warning. If you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, and other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. My free lecture is going to reveal what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. And it's all in my free lecture called Deadly Recipe. So call toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. Again, that's toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. 1-855-79-YOUNG. Vaping enthusiasts, head to VaporPalace.com. Choose from over 150 flavors and a selection of exclusive private stock vapor liquid you won't find anywhere else. New flavors are added every month, and our customer service is unbeatable. VaporPalace.com offers 15% off all vapor liquid on Fridays and get 10% off every order with coupon code VAPOR10 at checkout. Combine the codes on Fridays for 25% off. The ultimate destination for the vaping enthusiast. VaporPalace.com. Are you tired of commuting to a job that makes someone else rich? Working harder than ever, but getting nowhere? Do you hate spending hundreds of dollars every week on daycare? Having someone else raise your children? With our opportunities, you can start earning money as soon as next week. You get to be the boss, work from home, and live a happier life. At Be The Boss Network, you'll find hundreds of work-from-home opportunities that you can literally start today and be earning money as soon as next week. Go to freedom106.com and start earning money as soon as next week. You get to be the boss. Get out of the rat race. Work from home. Go to freedom106.com right now and change your life today. That's freedom, the number 106.com. Go to freedom106.com and start earning money as soon as next week. You be the boss. Go to freedom106.com. 
This is an alert. If your business or church is building this year, you're about to pay more than you should. This could mean thousands of dollars more for your office, retail space, church, or warehouse. A general steel building can save you as much as half the cost and time of similar conventional construction. And we're offering rebates of up to $20,000 to help you build today. Call General Steel for free information that could save you thousands. Call 866-91-STEEL. 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 We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. Speaking of special services, we've got one, Tech Night Owl Plus at plus.technightowl.com. It's very simple. It's the way that we offer you the ad-free version of this radio show. Commercial-free, better quality audio. All you have to do is pay a monthly subscription fee that's very low. Plus.technightowl.com, plus.technightowl.com to learn more information and to get simple sign-up instructions. We're talking about the Worldwide Developers Conference, kind of digging really deep into some of the arcane details that you don't always read about, about Apple offering really nice features for Mac OS Sierra shared with its other devices, but it uses iCloud Drive and your internet bandwidth. Another one is optimized storage. So you have that little MacBook Air, and you don't have a lot of storage space there. And in the demonstration, I think Craig Federighi was showing you how you could save up to 130 gigabytes in his example, where, you know, suddenly you don't have much storage space left on your little Max drive. And what it does here is it helps you optimize that storage, partly by taking unused apps and feeding them into your iCloud drive. Exactly right. That's what I was talking about in our last segment. This is a very exciting technology for people who are saddled with uh, Macs that don't have a lot of onboard storage. I'm really, really excited about it, and I cannot wait to start using it. That's why I wanted to get into more detail about this, because it's interesting. The other thing here is there have been utilities out there that will warn you if you got duplicate files and extra installers or things like that, but now the operating system has taken on that capability. Yeah, you've long been able to install third-party applications like uh, Clean My Mac, uh, for example, from uh, from MacPaw. Um, and there there are some bad programs to use that offer similar functionality that say, hey, look, if you want to optimize uh, the storage on your computer, if you want to remove cache files that you don't need, uh, we can do that. You, you install this app and it'll take care of it. So like I said, people have had bad experiences with some apps. People have had good experiences with some apps, like the one that I was talking about uh, before. But the bottom line is Apple hasn't really given people a way of doing it built into the operating system, and now they are. So they're exposing uh, the the ability for people to optimize the storage on their computers. So if there are files that they can get rid of because they're cached or unused uh, or they've been backed up and haven't been touched in a while, you can now do that. Okay. Very important granular features there that we see with Mac OS mm-hmm. because Everything old is new again, right, Gene? Absolutely. You know, branding is branding. Looking at the new features announced for Sierra, and we may have covered them already, but what do you think were the most important? Siri. 
by absolutely by by a landslide. Siri is the huge feature. This is something that Mac users have asked for for a very long time. I can't think of a single more important assistive device for users with uh, physical limitations than adding Siri. You know, Siri is going to enable the Mac to, to operate in a completely new, very sophisticated way that's really going to change the way that people interact with uh, their computers. And I'm very excited about it. Okay. What do you think in terms of Mac OS maybe seems underwhelming to you? Anything? Wow, that's a, that's a really interesting question, Gene, and I'm sorry that it catches me off guard. I don't really have a quick answer for you on that one. I, I am going to have to give that one some thought. And remember, with features like this, it's in the eye of the beholder. Like I said, Siri may be a, just a miraculous new thing coming on the Mac. I don't care that much. Okay, I've got one criticism. Apple moved the goalposts this year for the first time in a couple of years on the operating system, system uh, minimum requirements for Mac OS. Now, they're keeping the spread the same. It's about a seven-year spread. So machines back to late 2009 builds will all be supported with Sierra and with most of Sierra's features, you know, save the ones that are dependent on hardware that was introduced around 2012 or so, instant uh, hotspot and handoff. Some features uh, like Metal also require certain Intel processors. Still, that's a good spread, seven years. But it does move the goalposts, which haven't moved in the past couple of years. So if your machine could run Mavericks, it could run Yosemite. And if it could run Yosemite, it could run El Capitan. But some machines that are running El Capitan won't be able to run uh, Sierra. Take my mid-2009 MacBook Pro, for example. It's a 13-inch MacBook Pro. Runs El Capitan like a champion. Can't run uh, Sierra, unfortunately. So I understand why Apple has to do it, you know, because uh, there's a, a minimum hardware requirement where Apple just does not feel like it can provide the user experience that people are expecting. But it's still disappointing to see happen. But thus is the price of progress. So if you're using a really old computer, now is the time to think about upgrading. With iOS 10, a lot of older computers are not included. And I'll take this to memory. You need, at a minimum, an iPhone 5 a fourth-generation iPad, a sixth-generation iPod Touch, which is the current model. So we're talking about two and three years, roughly, of gear. But remember also the growth in Apple's mobile gear in terms of performance has been much, much faster. So leaving stuff two or three years behind doesn't seem like as big an issue. I'm happy to see them make that decision because I remember when iOS 9 dropped last year, I installed it on a third-generation iPad. And boy, was that a disappointing experience. And I don't really think that my iPad ever came back from it. And unfortunately, the way that Apple manages iOS updates, once you upgrade from, let's say, iOS 8 to iOS 9, you're never going back to the old version. They won't let you do that. I think, you know, they, they probably should have cut some of those older devices off last year. So I'm not disappointed to see them do it. But as the owner of equipment that's affected by it, both on the Mac side and the the iOS side, you know, it's, it's sad to see those older devices rendered uh, effectively obsolete. All my gear is supported, except I gave my sister-in-law a third generation iPad. But it's not a big deal for her. She only uses it to get online and Check or email, nothing really processor intensive. Now, another feature, which I think might be more for younger people, maybe I'm just becoming an old man, a crotchety old man here, and that is the fancy messages for iOS 10 and Mac OS Sierra. All that extra stuff and animations and inserting this and doing that, that's pretty flashy. If you're really immersed in messaging, I think it's going to be great. 
You know, one of the big rumors ahead of WWDC this week was that Apple was going to introduce a version of its Messages app for the Android operating system and that it was going to enable cross-communication between iOS and Android. If there are Android users who you're communicating with when you're using your Messages app, they're your green bubble friends. You know, you're sending them as text messages. But iMessage can contain a density of information that uh, that a regular SMS messages can't. That did not happen. That did not come to pass. And it doesn't look like Apple has any plans to introduce uh, messages um, for Android or open up the you know iMessage protocol to Android either. So uh, that's an important distinction to make. Having said that, the new messages features are of a lot of interest to a lot of people because a lot of us communicate by chatting. You know, a lot of us communicate with instant message either to work groups or to friends and family. And it, it's a very broad spectrum of users. I, I, I text my mother all the time. You know, she's in her 70s. I text my kids almost exclusively. I never call them because they're not going to pick up their phones. But they do respond to texts quite frequently. You know, I uh, use WhatsApp to talk to Grace and my son. Let's go into more of this messaging and a couple of things I'm concerned about in our next segment. We have Peter Cohen. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. You know about RVs, you've heard about bunkers, but surviving is not recreation. And man wasn't made to live underground. Introducing Survivalist Camps, the ultimate fully functional off-the-grid survival bug-out house that's mobile, well-equipped, and custom-built to outlast any other RV or trailer. Go to survivalistcamps.com to learn more. That's survivalistcamps.com, providing your basic needs to survive. Survivalistcamps.com. By now you know that wireless technology like cell phones do in fact pose dangers to the health and privacy of everyone. Blockit Pocket's wide range of products are unmatched in providing the protection you deserve. No scare tactics, just common sense. BlockitPocket.com offers quality American-made options to alleviate and eliminate these invisible dangers. Learn more at BlockitPocket.com or call 888-315-9618. BlockitPocket.com, enhancing health and privacy. Did you know a dirty CPAP system can make you sick? If you knew what could be growing in your mask and hose, you might not sleep so well. But now, SoClean.com has released the world's first and only automated CPAP cleaner and sanitizer. It kills 99.9% of all CPAP germs, and it's completely hands-free. For a limited time, you can try SoClean risk-free for 30 days. Just call 1-800-941-9796. SoClean changed the CPAP experience for the better. My health has improved. It's simple to use, and I'm not worried about infections. SoClean destroys CPAP bacteria, viruses, and germs, and it eliminates the daily hassle of washing your system by hand. There's no water, chemicals, or disassembly. Just pop in your mask, close the lid, and presto, your CPAP system is clean and fresh in minutes. Call SoClean.com to try it risk-free at home for 30 days. This is a limited-time offer only available by calling 1-800-941-9796. That's 1-800-941-9796. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. 
To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-704-6182. A Place for Mom offers free one-on-one advice from local advisors and a personalized list of senior living communities you can visit. If you have questions about senior care for your mom or dad, there's a place for answers, a place for mom. Call A Place for Mom in the next 10 minutes to get your free ebook on financing senior care as well as free information on senior living communities in your area. Call 1-800-704-6182. That's 1-800-704-6182. I'm Nick Soboleski, a select quote agent with a true story that could save you hundreds of dollars a year. A woman named Linda just called. Her husband, Ray, has a $300,000 group life insurance policy, but is changing jobs and can't take it with him. Well, I impartially shopped the highly rated term life insurance companies we represent and found Ray, who is 41 and takes medication to control his cholesterol, a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $26 a month. That's almost twice the coverage for less than half of what he had paid. If SelectQuote hasn't shopped for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 1-800-403-4885. That's 1-800-403-4885. 1-800-403-4885. Or go to SelectQuote.com. We shop. You save. Get full details on the example policy at SelectQuote.com. commercials. Your price can vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors. Not available in all states. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. So if you're Grayson Steinberg or any of hundreds of millions of other people, you will probably enjoy all the enhancements of messages. Like I said, I guess I'm too old for this. I start out with the AOL instant messaging system and even bulletin board systems back in the 80s. So you know how old and aged and decrepit I am. Now, Right there with you, brother. Right there with you. And I'm only in my mid-40s, so let's not play the age card too badly. Come on. One of the things I'd like to see here, and I'll give you the example of the use case, which is why I'm concerned. So right now I'm on my iMac which will run Sierra, by the way. I've got a WhatsApp-equivalent application that has to sync with a QR code to the one on my iPhone to work. It can't stand alone. I've got a Messenger app for Facebook, and I've got, of course, Apple's Messages. So we look at the situation here, and I have three instant messaging apps. And the reason is because they don't talk to one another. At one time... Facebook supported Jabber, which is supported by Apple's messages. So I could share Facebook chat windows seamlessly. Now I've got to have three apps to do the chatting that I need to do. And I was hoping here, and maybe, of course, it's up to Facebook and any other company. I was hoping here that they would find a way to resolve this. So I was hoping they'd have a solution for that. But... That's not on Apple's radar. It's just fancy formatting. What do you think? So what I'm saying here is I thought that Apple would do something to deal with that problem, with the interoperability of different chatting systems, that somebody should consider that. Because it's oh well, you know, there's a, the, Gene, I, I learned a long time ago when I was working for a company that developed software, 
um, that when it comes to what people want versus what companies can deliver, there's a difference between AM and FM. That was the uh, the project manager's uh, a little phrase. And when I asked him what he meant, he said, there's a difference between actual machine code and effing magic. Look, social networks are vying for the attention of consumers, in many cases, the, the same consumers. You're not going to get any more interoperability between uh, social networking platforms than the social networking platforms can possibly muster um, in order to sort of, you know, incorporate you into um, their their communication schemes. So Apple will build in functionality where it can, whether it's supporting an open protocol like Jabber or um, uh, uh, supporting uh, AOL Instant Messenger, you know, as, 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 as part of... Uh, um, uh, the messages experience as well. You know, it's it, it, it really depends on, on what it's going to do. But in terms of solving that problem, I'm not really sure that Apple has it within its ability to do. You know, any more than Apple can, you know, solve the problem of uh, uh, making it easy for people to um, uh, cut the cord with their cable company, you know, and just watch everything from Apple TV. It doesn't quite work that way either because other companies get in the way because they've got their own uh, uh, business needs um, to put in front of what Apple and its customers want. I understand also the competitive issues here. And obviously, if they're going to be compatible with a Facebook format, which is WhatsApp and Facebook Messenger, they'd have to make some kind of deal with Facebook and Facebook would have to want that. And Facebook wants to lock in people to its own service. It doesn't, even, word, it doesn't even merge WhatsApp with Facebook Messenger. One word for you, ping. Okay. So ping was Apple's attempt at a social network um, uh, linked to, um, to iTunes a few years ago. It died. It died even before it got, it got off the ground. It was rumored that ping was going to be tightly integrated with Facebook, and that disappeared at the last minute. You know, so Apple and Facebook have had a challenging relationship for whatever reason. And, you know, that could be resolved or it can't. For the time being, you got to use three apps, all right? And I tried one app that supposedly allows you to use WhatsApp and Facebook Messenger in one app. But what it does is puts up separate windows for each. It's like running two apps in one. And it's not even that well done. So that was $0.99 cents or $1.99 that I threw out to try this feature. So for right now, other than getting everybody I know to use one messaging system, I'm going to stick with WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger, and Messages. And just have to live with it. There you go. I guess so. It sounds like quite a stew. Well, you know what? It's not such a big deal on a Mac with a 27-inch screen. It's more of a big deal on your iPhone. And certainly with that, you also have Skype for more instant messaging. So there's another service. I haven't even referred to that, but right now we're having a voice chat on Skype with Peter Cohen. Let's move into iOS 10. And with that, I installed it on one of my iPhones, the first developer beta. And the thing I kind of like about it, maybe you can comment on this is notifications instead of being one long stream of white on black text it's like having little tiny 
bubbles or sheets with black text on light or mid-gray. Very, very readable, very easy to deal with. And I really like the way they did it. What do you think? You know, it's interesting that you should bring this up. Um, it's worth pointing out, I, I, I think one of the best um, um, uh, analyses of what Apple is doing with its design language in iOS 10 was done by uh, my old uh, uh, friend and colleague uh, from iMore, Serenity Caldwell. Uh, she posted a piece on iMore this week called Big, Bold, and Beautiful. Apple's design language is changing in iOS 10. And she did a really marvelous uh, deconstruction of how um, Apple is, um, is, is sort of breaking up the visual interface for iOS 10 in very smart ways. Notifications is one of those things that's really coming through. Uh, it's very smart the way that Apple is doing it, um, and and I really like um, how uh, the the approach that they're taking because what they're doing is they're thinking more in layers. So on the top layer you have actions like notification cards, uh, but that's not all. You you also got widgets, your control center, your 3D touch options. On the bottom layer, that's where your home screen is. And the middle layer is where your lock screen and other app-related content is if the phone is unlocked. At least this is how um, Serenity describes it, and I think it's a very smart uh, way to, to explain to people who are trying to get their head around this how iOS 10 works. Now, that doesn't mean that iOS 10 is a completely rebuilt interface. It's not. It's just made much more smartly and curated much more sensibly for a a really sophisticated, easy-to-use uh, user experience compared to iOS 9. That alone is one of the features that will strike you immediately as something different and something better. And I was glad to see it because I do a lot of that glancing at my iPhone to see some kind of notification. And being able to see it more easily, having it more readable, having it more convenient to get the information I want... I think that's an important thing. And this is where Apple sweats the details that they don't do on Android. Android has a lot of nice features, but they're just sort of thrown into a big stew. And they don't integrate with one another so well. And that's one of the problems. Now, just to let you know, listeners, you'll be able to try out the public betas of macOS Sierra and iOS 10 beginning in July. Developers got their handle on it this past week and either way though if you want to try it on your iphone and i'm not having a problem i would recommend you have uh, do it on an old iphone that you have that still supports the system one that you're not afraid to restore and on your mac i have a separate partition on my imac for the operating system beta you might get a second drive but don't commit a production machine to this stuff because who knows what kind of bugs they have you know, all sorts of crazy things can happen, and we don't want anything to happen. We've got a couple more things to cover with Peter Cohen. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. 
Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. This is Rick Osick, president of Famous Footwear. Our company is working together with the March of Dimes through March for Babies to raise money and awareness about the serious problem of premature birth in the U.S. As a business leader, I know that babies born very sick or too soon cost businesses billions of dollars each year, in addition to the emotional stress on employees and their families. That's why Famous Footwear is committed to raising funds to improve the health of moms and babies everywhere. Won't you please join us in the March for Babies? Start a team today at marchforbabies.org. My dad was 59 when he collapsed from a heart attack late last year. Just this past August was when we spread his ashes on the St. Croix River. I loved my dad, but boy was he stubborn. He hadn't been to the doctor in over 25 years. His excuse? He simply couldn't afford it. He wasn't a rich man by any means. At less than $107 per month, libertyoncall.org would have been the perfect alternative for my father. Don't wait. Go to libertyoncall.org right now for not just your sake, but for the sake of your loved ones. Again, that's libertyoncall.org. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration systems. The Berkey light systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey light system today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today. Are you worried about how dangerous the world has become? In these days of terrorist attacks, natural disasters, or even a future collapse, you need to be medically prepared to keep your family safe. I'm Joe Alton, MD of store.doomandbloom.net, where you'll find an entire line of uniquely designed medical kits and supplies for when help is not on the way. For everything from individual first aid kits to the ultimate family medical bag, go to store.doomandbloom.net today. 
That's store.doomandbloom.net. You'll be glad you did. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. We have Peter Cohen joining us for a final segment of the Tech Night Out Live. So I wanted to ask you, Peter, this is something that's kind of went under the radar because it wasn't mentioned during the keynote, but developers learned about it. Apple has a new file system. Now, how is that going to affect you? That's that's a the sixty thousand dollar question right there. How's it going to affect you? This is really inside baseball stuff. This is not something that I think most of us really need to concern ourselves with right now. But Apple is introducing a new file system um, to replace the aging file system that it 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 currently has in place. Apple file system APFS is going to replace. HFS Plus, which is the the old system that uh, that's that's been used. So what this means in practical terms is that Mac OS, iOS, Watch OS, which is what the Apple Watch runs, and TV OS, which is what the fourth generation Apple TV runs, are all going to have a single file system to run on. Which it, it's going to make it easier for developers going forward to describe you know where files go and how files are used in one application that works on multiple devices because all that underlying um, code is, is going to be the same. There aren't really a lot of details about APFS that, that can be shared publicly at this point. It's something that developers are learning a lot about. I can tell you in broad strokes that, that it's designed to scale for every Apple device there is, whether you're using an Apple Watch or a Mac, and that it's also optimized for uh, SSD storage. So again, you know, the Macs, most Macs use SSDs, um, but it's going to be especially important going forward. Now, this is something that's not really going to be exposed until 2017. So even after Sierra launches this this fall, it's not something that is going to be used broadly because that's only available in the developer preview of macOS 10 Sierra. A final build is aimed at 2017, and Sierra is actually coming later this fall in 2016. So it's still really rough around the edges, but it'll be interesting to see how things change going going forward. I don't really think that from the user experience, this is going to mean a lot. Like I said, this is inside baseball. This is the sort of stuff that developers take very seriously uh, because it informs how they're going to be writing their code in the years to come. Now, what I'm expecting here, if it's not going to come until 2017, it'll probably be on Sierra's successor, the next iOS for 2017 that'd be the easiest thing knowing apple they'll make it as transparent as possible so that it could be converted so you don't lose your data your files continue to work your apps continue to work everything has to be transparent for otherwise the system won't work i also anticipate that there'll be a transition process where apple won't make developers use apfs but will give developers reason to use it and eventually apple will you know change it to to be the default and we'll see what happens from there but you know it's again this is inside baseball this is not something that those of us who are just using macs from day to day really need to worry about if you're a developer though it was big news and likely also backwards compatibility that's very important now let's move on to other things here i didn't see a lot of criticisms this time as we had last year that apple didn't have any hardware announcements to make a WWDC. They recognize it's a software thingy and you could 
look at pro and con. I'm looking at it to be very promising, but the most important thing here as we sum this up is that it all has to be about reliability. Apple is going to depend heavily on the iCloud system, all those server farms working very well because any screw-ups with all this data you're committing to iCloud could cause really serious problems. So we have to assume Apple is really sweating the details on this. Yeah, I would say so. You know, app, and Apple always sweats the details. That's what they're so good at, right? Right. But we've had problems in the past with iCloud, with syncing, just basic syncing, which isn't easy when you say basic. It's not an easy thing to do. They've had problems. They've had problems with a iCloud email and that sort of thing. But now you're going to be throwing maybe hundreds of gigabytes of your stuff on there. You want to know that it is totally seamless that nothing's going to go wrong. They have proper redundant systems and everything. I'm assuming that's happened, and I'm assuming that Apple has done the testing and will do the testing during this beta process to make sure that it is as reliable as it could be. Absolutely. You know, this public beta that's coming in July will give a, a huge number of, of people early access to the technology that Apple's developing. It's a very uh, sophisticated, coordinated effort to do these upgrades. And it's it's traumatic for people every time it happens. Apple certainly tries to make it easy, uh, but that doesn't mean that it is easy uh, for everyone. So they anticipate some growing pains. Okay, this all this joy is going to happen this fall, probably It'll be mid to late September for iOS 10, depending on when the next iPhone is out for Mac OS Sierra, late September, early October, depending on the condition of the betas. Obviously, with the iOS, Apple is going to be forced to fit in a deadline. With Sierra, a week later is not going to make a big deal. And we found in the past that staging it, you know, smartly like that can certainly be less disruptive. I would hope, though that Apple will listen more closely to public feedback because there are certain problems we had with particularly Yosemite and Wi-Fi and some issues I've seen with El Capitan where it doesn't seem as if they've listened as closely to users because right now El Capitan gets barely a three-star rating at the App Store. And mostly it's because people who have problems tend to be the ones to complain. Most often people who don't don't even bother to review it. But I think here, Apple, with the shakiness of some of its releases for last year, they really need to shore up reliability, especially because they're asking these operating systems to do so much more. Well, Apple wants to deliver a superlative user experience, and part of that is making sure that as many bugs are corrected before the operating system launches to the general public as possible. Every year, it's a learning experience. Every year, it's different. The fact is, I I don't necessarily think that All of us need the latest and greatest thing as soon as it comes out also. When I was working in an Apple retail uh, store, not an Apple – when I was working for an Apple retailer, third-party retailer, I would regularly talk to customers who used computers that had not been uh, updated uh, from the operating system that they shipped with. You know, consumers were coming in with computers running Snow Leopard, iPhones running iOS 3. Uh, you know, people, a lot of people are more comfortable with steady state. If you're one of those people, don't feel like you need the latest and greatest thing. Take your time, wait for other people to fall on that sword and enjoy the benefits of having a stable system that you enjoy now. Um, Don't make those changes just for the novelty of having all the new things. And if you have one of those Macs or iPhones or iPads that can't get the new update, all right, 
don't worry about it. It means that you have something that should be pretty reliable. You could use it for years. And when it's time to get the new gear, then you could worry about what you'll get with it. Peter Cohen, please tell our listeners where they can find more of your stuff. You can find me on the social networks at Flarg, F-L-A-R-G-H, things like Twitter and stuff like that. That's where I'm at there. Um, I also write for Backblaze at backblaze.com on our blog. You can find us on Twitter as well. We're known as Tech Night Owl. Also check GCNlive.com for the list of the 20 or 25 radio stations that carry this show. We have a second radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night. And this week we'll be featuring well-known author Dr. Joseph Farrell and a former intelligence agent by the name of Walter Bosley. Together they'll be talking about breakaway civilizations as somebody out there may be in control and we don't know it about our politics and all the things that go on. Paracast.com, that's Paracast.com. And one more thing, ladies and gentlemen. We have a special feature of the show that we'd like to tell you about. It's called Tech Night Owl Plus. Plus meaning you get an enhanced version of this show, commercial free. You get better quality audio. Peter Cohen will sound more perfect than he possibly can. More perfect than ever. Just great. I'll sound the same because I never change. I'm too old to change. That's what my wife tells me. To learn more about Tech Night Owl Plus, go to plus.technightowl.com. Once again, that's plus.technightowl.com. What happens there? It's a page where we explain how to sign up for Tech Night Owl Plus about the subscription rates, which are pretty cheap. Starts at $6 a month, month to month, so you can cancel if you decide it's not for you. We'd like you to continue. Go to plus.technightowl.com. Peter Cohen, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. Always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you so much for having me. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.